welcome to the Suspense is Killing Us podcast. My name is Emily Soderbach. Travis Boat. Matt Lynch. Hi. Hi. Hello. Joining us also is my dog, Lily. She's down here. She's right down there. She's a snoozing right now. Everybody be very quiet. You don't Everybody listening at home, shut up. (laughs) Your dog might be able to hear you somehow. Uh, there's a lot to talk about right at the top. We got a package uh, from Cody Downs. Very exciting. Um, but before we get to that, I wanted to point out at the top of, of the podcast that an amazing listener uh, whose yes. handle I've fucking already forgotten. Oh <laughs> like, uh, it, uh, I just looked it up. Donkey Punch. <laughs> it's like Drunky Monkey. Drunk, that's what I meant. Drunky Monkey. That's what I said. Uh, who I don't know what this person's real name is, or maybe I do, and I'm not aware. Uh, maybe I know this person, but I don't know their handle. Whatever. Either way, they've um, amazingly gone through on Letterboxd and uh, c- and cataloged all of the movies and episodes that we've done yes. with all of our ratings, both the uh, Judds, Judd's Douglas's, Douglas's, and the the crazy, specific, yeah. yeah, the crazy specific one. And it's 120 episodes or something. They did the whole goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. It's really amazing. I highly recommend That's checking cool. it out. I read the entire list because I couldn't remember so much of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's also funny because, like, because it's letterboxed, you can see. Excuse me. You can see the ones that he's watched and rated. So like there will be ones where it's like Travis and Emily and Matt gave it four juds, and it says like one and a half stars <laughs> over it. That, um, that'll happen. So that's funny. Yeah, it's really a tremendous. I read the whole thing, and I was like, oh, that was funny. And then, Or look, I'm looking at some of my own jokes. I'm like, that's not very good. Well, I yeah. mean, we, we, like some, sometimes we have, we because it's a, it's a final joke at the end of the episode where we come up with those last yeah. uh, last rating things. And, you know, they're improv, so they're Hail, Mary, Hail Marys. And I also noticed going through them that, like, some of them are like, geez. Like, we're trying to be, we're kind of trying to be shocking a little bit with some of them. And you'll be like, damn. Bunch of fucking shock jocks that's, that's over here. That's kind of nasty. What do you do there? Shock jock. Uh, uh, this is this is the one just for fear. The screenshot, the the, the screenshot that I took that I put on. Oh, oh yeah. you, you can find this on our on our Twitter. My first on episode. Our Instagram. I shared this or Drunky Monkey. Um, but this was this yeah this was Emily's first episode. Fear episode eleven. Teen screams. And uh, our ratings were, mine was however many pounds on the chest it takes to make a bruise you can't see because that's where he wears his shirt. <laughs> Kevin's, Kevin's was uh, one out of one eight-year-old's murdering crust punks with a car, which I don't even remember. I don't remember. even remember that happening either. Emily's five Bush songs. Perfect. And Matt's hundred out of a hundred separate dog hits. Lily, don't listen. Don't listen, Lily. Uh, anyways, no, this is awesome. Hours this and is... hours of entertainment on there. I'm telling See, you, people listen. People listen to us. Thank Look God at all you. these. Wait, and so is this every? This is also really helpful. That it's extremely helpful. That it's every movie that I used we've to done. keep a list of on Letterboxd of all the movies we've done, but I gave up like a year and a half, two years ago. I stopped. So this is what I do with uh, Viva, Curating. so that we don't yeah. overlap, and so this is good in the future. You know, when we're like. 80 doing these episodes and we're like what do we have left there's still no more movies there's still just lots of movies Night to Eyes cover eight. like what the fuck why did they make so many movies why like are this? there so many movies you guys it's crazy it's so stop it before we get to the additional three of the many movies we want to open the, the open care this package, package. Yeah. this is always very exciting from, it's, it's from Cody Downs time Cody Party Downs Cody Party Downs do any of it? Cody Downs to the Paradise City, of yep. course. Do right. any of us have a birthday around now, or is this just entirely? I believe it was Fourth of July motivated. It's that patriotic s- gentleman. S- s- summertime, summertime package. I hope he sent us some like bombs. Whoa. Well, he's in the Navy. I don't mean like bombs Whoa. to blow us up with, just like bombs to have. 
Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Hey, <laughs> I mean, I think they're they're all bombs. No. No, I mean they're they're all unsuccess financially they're unsuccessful. All, they're films. all fireworks in my heart. Whether you like them or not. You, right. Yeah, they are. All you bombs can't. In you that cannot way. say that. Oh, okay. Here we go. Well, Which there's only one it? way to find out, the list. Oh, no, I don't believe so with the, the list Fonda. that we have. Hi, podcast listeners. This is Travis here. Now I'm cutting into the podcast right now to let you know that at this moment, after we received the package from Cody, Matt puts the microphone down pretty far away from his face to go through the contents of the package. And for the next, what feels like, 45 minutes, Matt's opening up stuff, cool items from the package, coffee and beer and pepperoni sticks and such, and uh, you can barely hear him, and then you just hear me and Emily going, oh, wow, every 30 seconds or something like that. I didn't think it was very engaging podcasting, so I went ahead and cut that out, and uh, we will rejoin the podcast uh, around the part where Matt reads the letter from Cody. Thanks again, Cody, for the presents, and thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, no, there's. I'm already looking at the end. He's already, he's already got one. Okay, so uh, this is uh, this is Dateline, June 27th. It's rather long, but we'll read it. Uh, Greetings to Suspense is Killing Us Gang. Hey. It's been several months since I last wrote, and a great deal has happened since. Mm. My professional naval duties at 3rd Marine Air Wing have gotten more active and busy. I had surgery in April, oh, no. another one coming up on July 19th, an upper endoscopy. And celebrating Mother's Day with my mom for the first time in 15 years. Well, that's Aww. lovely. Awesome. And I hope your surgeries go well, Cody. Uh, with further, without further ado, I wish to express the following. Emily had mentioned on the Burt Reynolds episode <laughs> last spring she was trying to seek out more noteworthy films from him. I wish to highly recommend his 1989 film, Breaking In, written by John Sayles. He plays a small-time thief who mentors a ne'er-do-well young man to succeed him in the art of the steel. Year my birth. If not for Boogie Nights, this would be Burt's best performance. Oh, I want to make the following suggestions for two future lineups. For oh, nice. here we go. For Jeff Bridges, you got to call it Across the Bridges, a name play on the Graham Greene novel. Oh. The films, 1981's Cutter's Way, mm-hmm. 1986's The Morning After, for which I'm donating my DVD, as Shout just released a Blu-ray of it, oh. and 1999's Arlington Road. I'm down. That's, that's Sounds good. good. Sounds Cutter's good. Way. Mm. For your Jack Nicholson episode, <laughs> you got to call it Jack Ain't in No Box. Yeah. <laughs> the film. <laughs> it's not bad. The films, 1982's The Border, 1997's Blood and Wine, I know a frequent request of mine, and 2001's The Pledge. Okay. I haven't seen any of well, those. The Pledge is good. For the Patreon, I'd like the following to be heavily considered. 1940s Remember the Night for Christmas. That is Aww. one of my favorite Christmas movies. I love it. Interesting. Brian De Palma's Obsession. I think we have a few De Palmas we still need to gather up oh, in yeah. some form or another. 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and one of the most successful indies ever and a crown jewel for New Line Cinema. The assembly cut of Halloween or Alien 3 at Halloween time, hmm. as you did Prometheus and Covenant back in October 2021. Speaking of Halloween, two other suggestions are Wes Craven's New Nightmare and American Psycho. Finally, I'm sure PTA's magnum opus, There Will Be Blood, will eventually make it to Patreon. Mm. That seems likely. Probably. My favorite. Take joy in these goods obtained from my Mother's Day visit last month and the brewskis from San Diego. Yours in kind, Cody. Here we go. P.S. Still trying to forgive Matt for shooting down 1981's class action for 1993's The Firm on the past Gene Hackman episode, as I knew the latter was going to be a hate watch for Matt due to his years ago letterbox review, but I will eventually wink wink. Thank you, Cody. I'm sorry to be an endless disappointment to you, my friend. Thank you, Cody. Uh, thank you, Cody. For the lovely haul, thank you so much. 
we're going to make short work of this this evening a chilly night, I imagine. Oh, yeah. Outstanding. Full wait, disclosure, I've never had a cold brew. Wow. Oh, yeah. wait. It'll fuck you right up. Will it's, it? You've never had cold brew? Yeah. It's I don't just, like cold just... coffee. Oh. Oh, But man. I'm still going to drink this right now because I didn't get any Starbies today. Yeah, I didn't bring anyone Starbies today except okay. for myself. It's all right. I had a cold. hunter stick reindeer meat. Yeah. I, I want one of these. Sold. I had okay. a cold brew for the first time at some coffee shop when I was about to have a meeting with somebody. This was like 10 years ago or whenever, and I'd never heard of cold brew before, and I just thought that they meant iced coffee. And, of course, cold brew is a process by which you make uh, they use cold extraction or something to make coffee extra fucked up. It's like high, high, high concentrate of caffeine. And they didn't tell me this when they when they gave it to me. So I like just thought I was getting come in it or I something. Just, what is it? I don't know. They use a whole contraption. Somebody asked Lee Daniels what's in a cold brew. Nitro infused. It makes it coffee taste uh, better. Anyways, are you sure you wouldn't rather have the one with a little vanilla in it? Or are you good? I'm just offering up your coffee. Just like I, I'm not. <laughs> I, I won't. I won't be able to handle it. If I don't like this, will one of you guys finish it? Yeah. Nope. I will. No, I I had this. I had drank, I drank like five sips of this cold brew, and I was just like iced coffee, iced coffee. <laughs> I started having like a nervous breakdown and shit. And then I started, I was talking to the person I was meeting. I was like, I had this cold brew, and now I feel weird. And they're like, Oh yeah, that stuff's like the most caffeinated coffee in the world. That's crazy. Also, nobody if, told me if you go to the store and just get cold brew. A lot of times it's just cold brew concentrate, and you have to you're supposed to mix it with water. Yeah. And I feel like some people don't. Oh God. Do that for sure. <laughs> I'm just drinking it right out of the jug. Well, I think it's it's all right. I I, I prefer I prefer it hot. Yeah. Because mm. it tastes like coffee, and I like coffee, but like a warm cup of coffee. Mm. <laughs> anyway, well, no thanks. I prefer someplace hot. Speaking of hot liquids. Mm. Yes. Pouring all over us. Let's go. Wow. <laughs> Let's go. Today's episode is called It's a Living. Yeah. And it features three films that describe occupations. I think I pointed this out when at the end of last episode, but this is a Corey, a Corey J. Brewer original. Corey J. Cold Brewer. Corey J. <laughs> I do call him Cold Brew. That's cool. Uh, See Brew. <laughs> exactly. The guy who did the music that you heard at the very beginning of the, the episode. Uh, he came up with the list, and uh, uh, at least two of the list, I think, and yeah. the title of the episode. Because so. I came up with the third. Yeah, you did. You did. Uh, and thank God, too. Yeah. <laughs> so we're doing 2010's The Paperboy. Lee Daniels' no, The Paperboy. 2012. 2012. 2012's Lee Daniels' The Paperboy. 2013's The Counselor Ooh. at Long Last, a movie I've long wanted to cover on this show. And uh, 2016's The Accountant. Yeah. Uh, a terrible film we should all forget. <laughs> anyway. I thought that I thought for up until, uh, this is the second time I watched it, and I, th- I thought this whole time Ben Affleck directed this movie. No, I it's, thought it he was, did not. I thought too. No, it's Gavin O'Connor who did like The Warrior. Yeah, he's a respectable, respectable. Not The Warrior, it's called Warrior. Warrior, respectable enough. Didn't he director. do like Broken City? No, that's one of the Hughes brothers. He did one of those, he like did he did like Russell, some Russell Crowe like cop lawyer procedural thing he did the inspirational basketball movie with ben affleck so him and ben affleck oh that like new one the, the, yeah the way home or whatever yeah, it's called. yeah. oh he did something else warrior is the one i know it's a good else. movie yeah that's the, well, the one of the ultimate dad movies he did, yes oh god now this is gonna bother me yeah well he, yeah we'll, we'll we'll get to him we we got we're gonna round out the end of the episode well, on that one we've got we got to cover a lot of insane bullshit before we get to there yeah i have to i have to point out that this might be the craziest collection of of movies that we've done i mean he did the hockey movie miracle with Carousel. oh yeah again 
<laughs> People love that. I, you know what? That was, that was a very lovely movie experience in my life. Jason Dodson and I went and saw that Jason? when it came out, and we were like, this was delightful. We, were just, we just had a great old time. Yeah. Anyhow, starting with The Paperboy. The Paperboy. Legendary <laughs> Lee Daniels debacle The Paperboy. Uh, divisive at can. I'm looking for the office of Ward Jansen of the Miami Times. I work for the Times. This here is Miss Charlotte Bless. Oh, not for long. Hillary and I are engaged to be married. Everything you need to know about Hillary Van Wetter that's been in the papers is here in these boxes. Um, now, and our exciting correspondence is in the bottom box. I really just want to thank you for helping me get Hillary out of that hellhole. Well, I wouldn't go booking honeymoon just yet. Oh. But we are going to fight his sentence in the way it came about. the murder of Sheriff Call. I understand that the judge allowed testimony based on evidence that he never even saw. Dangerous. Dangerous. Is your paper boys? Mm-hmm. What are they gonna do for us? His follow-up to the equally divisive movie Precious. It's going to be divisive in this room. Mm-hmm. Yes. His career has since kind of cratered. You know what's absolutely bananas about Lee Daniels? I don't know what, it, what the deal with his like, what's going on in his personal life or, what, or how it influences his movies, but he did Precious. Shadow Boxer. And, of course, that did really well. Got Academy Award nominations. Shadow Boxer was before that. Yeah, I know. Weird. Yeah. And, and then he did... Yes. Like this was his follow-up depression, but uh-huh. and then immediately after that, Lee, he did Lee Daniels the Butler, which is his biggest hit, a yeah. colossal oh, yeah. box office juggernaut. And then he didn't do anything for years after that. What was his last thing? Uh, it was a. I think he's back on TV now. He's doing TV. It was a Netflix movie about uh, Ella Fitzgerald or like a jazz a jazz singer. You got okay, me. go for him. I can't remember. I don't recall. Even hearing about it at the time, I don't think it has any of that classic Lee Daniels, <laughs> or maybe it does, but I don't know. That pizzash, no, I feel that, like that, I that don't. Panache, that that judge. I that don't zhuzh. know enough about, or I haven't seen enough Lee Daniels to know what the Lee Daniels. Have is. you read any Pete Dexter? I don't read male authors. Oh yeah, yes. good answer. I, I, good answer. Anymore. Um, yeah, I don't think I've seen enough uh, Lee Daniels stuff to know th- what is considered his vibe or like his themes or whatever that crosses over. I, I watched Precious once. I think that's the only other one. I mean, if, I haven't seen if you want to ask me, I think his vibe is how much, how much desperation and humiliation can I throw at my characters <laughs> and while still pretending that I actually have something up my sleeve. But I don't think mm-hmm. the butler was, I think the butler must have been a completely different because that was the just John like Cusack a, does play Richard Nixon in that movie, but I think that that was like PG. I don't ever want to look at I John don't Cusack remember. again. Like Oprah's after, in it. After rewatching this movie, I never want to see John Cusack again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I like really just don't want to see his face ever. Yeah, this is my first Lee Daniels movie. Almost certainly going to be my last Lee Daniels movie. I do not like it. I do not like this kind of thing. It is a kind of thing, though. This is a kind it of is. thing that I should like because I do like this kind. And of this thing. And this is a kind of thing that I like you a absolutely lot. Absolutely like it a lot. <laughs> so here we, we are. have a potential. The three, and I the three bears yeah. here. You I guys. don't want to spoil any. I, I, we don't know. We don't know what our results are going to be. But there's the potential to have the biggest disparity in ratings I think for this movie. I right think here. that's quite likely. I think that that's likely to happen, and I'm hoping it yeah, happens. Yeah, it's going to happen. But don't I, force it. We, we really, got to go. We use go natural. Though. Well, who knows? We could talk about this. You guys could fucking ruin this for me and make me hate it. I don't want to do that. 
<laughs> what happens, happens. I don't want to do that. that is not... And I don't feel strong enough to make you guys like this. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, so. It's not going to happen. There's no way that's going to happen. But, but I definitely don't want to change your mind. Like, I'm glad that you love it. It's the kind of thing that I feel like I should love because I love shock and exploitation. And mm-hmm. I mean, like, this is like a, you know. I know. I was kind of surprised you don't like it. Yeah, I think it's because it's like a little too edgelordy for me it's like a little mm. bit too like huh poke you come on huh? what do you yeah. think what do you think about that it's got like i get the vibes but, but then, i don't but like then the vibes. you like shit like domino domino is... which i didn't like and i thought i would like so this is a weird i, I feel I think, like i think domino actually has something up its sleeve i don't think this does i don't think this is a productively about anything but does it need to be uh for you it does it does in this case because daniels is insistent in this filmmaking that it is. Because I, I just went into this being like, you know what? This doesn't have, have any important shit to say, and I'm, I am right. fucking here for it. I feel like he thinks it does. Well, that's a him problem. It's like a tiny little... <laughs> that's th- a th- fucking him problem. These things that would, in other movies would be huge chunks of the movies, like the plot. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there is a thriller plot to this movie. It's, mm-hmm. it's about... It's about 15 minutes of the movie this taken is just, up the I plot. feel like this is just a steamy, uh, there's also, campy character exploration. Yeah, there's also like civil rights stuff about like right. about racial relations in the past. That takes up another like 15 minutes of the movie. And then the whole rest of the movie is just like people's bare butts being paddled and people pissing on stuff. But I feel and, like, I feel like all the plot sweaty stuff, and embarrassing. I feel like all the plot stuff is, they kind of reversed it in a way where instead of the plot stuff is what is driving this movie and is in the forefront, they put all the plot stuff, the heavy storyline stuff, in the background of who are these people, you know? Which I don't know who, if is effective to... Ma- <laughs> <laughs> which I They're don't think gross. is effective in some cases, but for me, I was like, I'm fine with the plot and the storyline and the narrative being inconsequential because I get to just kind of like go with the flow with these weird, sweaty ass people. You right, know? right. Well, if you want to know about what the plot is, I my, I consider this movie to be uh, what I call it: Todd Solondz's Just Cause. <laughs> it's, it's the same a, exact it's a bit plot. Of a deep cut. <laughs> it's the same. Yeah, if you've seen Just Cause, it's the same plot as Just Cause. Yes, so this... Except with a bunch of, like, gross... Gross people. <laughs> Todd Zollins, awkward people embarrassing themselves type stuff mixed in. Uh, so... It's, Zach... like, literally the same as Just Cause, even with, like, the flip at the end and all that sort of thing. Yes. Except race is reversed. So Matthew McConaughey is a reporter. He... <laughs> Works is... for the Atlanta Times. Yes. No, and... the whole the thing has a framing device. Or Miami lest, Times, lest we forget. excuse me. Yes, that's someone's, right. Someone's, it's a framing device that they abandon, where like a person is interviewing Macy Gray, who's like one of the only people that comes out of this movie with mm-hmm. any kind of dignity intact. Yeah. Macy Gray's like, fine. I would say she probably gives the best performance in the I movie. I think so. I think that's right. She's really good. They're but interviewing being, her about what happened. Yeah, and she's like, okay, I'll tell you the story of uh, this crazy shit that, that, really, that happened. And and then she, and then you go like, all right, so this is going to be a framing device that will. It just turns from that into her into her voiceover narration directly to you, the viewer, and they, mm-hmm. and they just abandon that, and that gives you a kind of idea of how <laughs> flying by the seat of our pants this movie is the entire way through. So she's recounting the summer of 1969. Yeah. And the family nice. that she was working at, working with, that she had been working with for a really long time, and she ended up basically raising Zac Efron who is Matt McConaughey's younger brother. 
and uh, Matthew McConaughey is off working at the Miami Times. He's a big writer. And Zac Efron used to be a swimmer, almost went professional, and then got kicked out of college for like some sort of prank. He emptied the pool. He said he emptied the... We don't get the details, but I feel like he took a shit in the pool or something like that. He emptied it. I think he like literally emptied the water out of the pool. Yeah. Because he said it was harder than it looked to empty the pool. Yeah, I guess he just so. used a coffee cup? I and mean, there's got to be a drain. Yeah. And then they said that it was considered vandalism to empty the, the pool out. Oh, okay. Um, Snooze. <laughs> and Tell us how you emptied the pool. Why so are we being cagey about this? He's just kind of laying around, and he his, his dad is dating this new woman who's, like, really annoying. She's a, she's a Karen. Everyone's... Dressed dad, great. Dad is, we uh, get to Scott see, Glenn. yeah, yes, we get to see Zac Efron in, in tidy whiteies eighty percent of the movie. Yes, and I'm not mad about it. <laughs> it's so funny how much in underwear. And he's I just, love him in his. He's just be, hanging out in his underwear, and that's fine. Uh, absolutely, but they, he's in his underwear so much that there should be shit where he's like at funerals and stuff like that, and still just wearing <laughs> underwear, and nobody says shit. Like nobody goes like, "Hey, why?" Like he just uh, is Florida. the guy. Who and wears the best his part is, a lot of the time he's still wearing a shirt, but he's just wearing his Unbuttoned underwear. Unbuttoned shirt, tidy yeah. whiteies. Yeah, because he's just a he's just dress shoes, kind of like a deadbeat. I mean, he's he's only like twenty years old, so he's just kind of like laying around the house, not really sure what to do. And then his brother comes back from Miami because he's got a story he wants to write about a crime that happened in the town of Lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sure does, and it's Matthew McConaughey. And Matt, like everybody's like in their underwear or pissing on someone or farting or jerking off at some point in this movie, and like Matthew McConaughey, you're kind of like, oh, I guess Matthew McConaughey's not gonna have to do Oops, any like. No. Wow, they they make up for, <laughs> they make up for lost time by the end of this movie. Well, okay, so part of the story is now that Nicole Kidman, oh boy, wants oh, Matthew so McConaughey to investigate this crime, this, this this murder that was allegedly committed by John Cusack who's in jail for it, but she's in love with John Cusack and doesn't believe he did it. Because she has been writing different convicts because she just loves writing with pr- prisoners. and she's I think like, she just is like a horn dog who yeah. likes the attention. Oversexed yeah. 40-year-old And then she feels like yeah. she's she is connected uh, with, I think his name is Hillary. Yes. Hillary. John Cusack's character, she's like, we haven't met, but I've really connected with him. Hillary Van Wetter. And... <laughs> More like bedwetter. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then pants wetter for sure. She is like, I'm gonna partner with Ward, who's Matthew McConaughey's character, because we're gonna get him. We're gonna get his name cleared because he didn't do this. It's obvious. Like in all these letters, like she brings a big old box to the garage, and they all decide to work on it together. With the addition of uh, one of Ward's associates from London, Yardley, mm-hmm. who's an African American guy. Yes, it's, he played Martin Luther King in David Oye- Selma. O- David Oyelowo. Yeah. I'm sure I don't want to mispronounce that name, but I'm sure I am. He's a fine actor. But he's a fine actor, and uh, he has to. Yeah, I guess he has the least amount of embarrassing stuff to do in this movie, I suppose. But besides when he just like all of a sudden is like, I'm actually not from London. That's pretty bad. Yeah, and he is, of course, an English actor. So you get which this, is funnier. Yes. So at a certain point, he See, switches. I like all and he of goes this, like, you guys. All of this yeah, is I make, mean, putting a smile. I on my feel face. like that's a that's just a tossed off meta joke for Lee Daniels to laugh at, and that's fine. But I just don't think it's funny. But it, does, it, it is funny because he has an English accent, and I don't know if he's modulating his own English accent right. to sound like a fake English accent. Yeah, but there's but a lot. There's but a either way, it, before we realize that he's putting this on as a ruse, he's reading one of Nicole Kidman's letters uh, that that she's writing about Hillary, oh God, Dame yeah. Hillary Von Patton or whatever. And she and in th- this is him in, in his elegant English accent reading 
Nicole Kidman's writing about this horn, this like scumbag prisoner that she wants to marry. All the killers who've written me want to press their mouths into my vagina. And some, even the crack of my behind. Except for Hilary Van Wetten. He wants to be sucked off himself. I consider this a psychological proof of his innocence. It's <laughs> the kind of movie we're talking about here. Yeah, buddy. So they're all press their mouths. Their headquarters. Their headquarters is bad. in the garage. Uh, I would do it at the family at the Ward family home, and they're going through all these letters. And Nicole Kidman, they all start to become like BFFs. They all start to hang out, and uh, basically that's it. Like they're trying to get. They're trying to get his name cleared. So it is 176 degrees at all times everyone's in this place. Just sweating. They all probably stink. Nicole Kidman is a hot mess. Her outfits are amazing. Her <laughs> she hair really is. her hair is so platinum blonde and like straightened. She's wearing the frostiest lip gloss and the frostiest eyeshadow you've ever seen in your life. She's just constantly just on the verge of orgasm. Yeah. She and she loves all of the boys she hangs out with. Yeah, at one point she's in the car. They're like parked outside of the prison where Hillary is, and she's just lying in the car. And Zac Efron's there. I kept thinking Zac Efron was supposed to be like fifteen or sixteen throughout this, but we find out later he's he's like twenty. You're like, oh, okay. Well, because he got he got kicked out of college. I guess so. Yeah, he just seems very very stupid and childlike. But I guess twenty year olds, you know, they're dumb. Uh, But anyways, (laughs) uh, Nicole, she's just in the car and she's like, I can feel his presence right over there. Zach Efron's like, holy Zach shit. Zach like, really? So Zach Efron's <laughs> obsessed with her, just in love with her, basically. Young, yeah, young like, love. Young lust. Um, at one point, Macy Gray is like, you know, she she was the, the mother that left him and the high school sweetheart he never had and the older sexual woman. All so she one. represented all these different facets of his, his lust towards women. Probably the only thing that I liked about this movie was the relationship between Zac Efron and Macy Gray. Oh, I loved it. It was really interesting and weird. Like, there's I like the part where uh, Macy Gray or where Zac Efron's dad asks Macy Gray, who has worked for him for over a decade, if she has any children. Yeah, Yeah. who's raised his children. Good job, Lee Daniels. You really, you really got a zinger off on Scott Glenn there. Um, Scott Glenn doesn't have to piss on anybody or jerk off at any point, but he has a haircut that is also just kind of like, ooh, that's embarrassing enough as it is. At the very beginning, when Macy Gray busts into Zac Efron's room to get his laundry, and he's like laying on the floor in his underwear, and he's like, what if I was jerking off in here? And she's like, nothing I never seen before. And then they are just like goofing off, and she's like, I'm gonna be you. And then she like lays on the floor in her in her dress, and he comes in with the laundry. I don't know, it was cute. They have a really good chemistry. I I actually was like, during that scene, I was like, ooh, I think I'm gonna like this movie because it's got like a real 70s style kind of loose filmmaking approach to mm-hmm. it and stuff and also I was like, here I th- we go i think this movie looks great it was filmed 16 and then blown up to 35 mm, pretty and clearly, i just think yeah. it looks really gorgeous looks and it good. really it really kind of encapsulates the the sweaty like kind of filmy the haze mm-hmm. over everything you feel hot they used whatever physically. possible kind of film stock and uh, processing they could to accentuate the sweatiness of everything mm-hmm. I mean, there's you can, a, like, and you can like see the flies and shit. <laughs> you know? There's a proud tradition of movies <laughs> shot in the South being sweaty, and I think this somehow beats all of them. It's a good one. Just um, my beads friend, of sweat <laughs> pouring off of people. My constantly. friend Corey was asking for. He's in Brooklyn. He's like, God, it's been like some of the hottest days of the year, and he's like, I need some like hot, like sweaty movie recommendations. And I had just watched this. And I was like, The Paperboy. Definitely, The Paperboy is one of them. It's 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 
definitely sweaty and hot for sure, I suppose. Also very gross. Uh, that was it's like not that gross. I thought this. I thought that the scene I don't, that we're, we're that we're coming upon very soon. What the pissing? Uh, no, <laughs> before the that. BDSM scene with Matthew McConaughey. No, it's like the rape, basically. The scene. rape scene. I mean, it's, no. It's like I don't. I also don't think that this movie is grosser than things that I normally watch. But also, Travis, maybe you have a lower tolerance for gross things. Maybe you're a big baby. I'm sure that's true. I just found this like I found all of its shocking moments to be like kind of tame. No, the shocking moments oh, the, are shocking in the jail where this, they're like yes. where they're basically ma- masturbating, but like not. Touching no, John Cusack is jerking off in his pants. Okay, John Cusack well, is easily the grossest part of this whole movie. Just him. Just him in gross. general. Like I said, I never want to see him vaping. again. he's not even vaping. I never want to see him again. And I'm sorry <laughs> if I could go back and tell my 13-year-old self who loved the movie Say Anything more than anything ever that I would eventually be like, I never want to see John Cusack's <laughs> face again. He does. Know, he's like too, do. he does too good a job, maybe in this or something. He does. Like, yeah, you are. You see, he is. He is that gross guy. <laughs> you fucking suck. So Nicole Kidman, I'm kind of leading the way on this because I can tell Matt really doesn't want to talk about this <laughs> I, movie. I've, I've sort of said everything I have to say about this. I don't think any. I don't think any of it works. No. Like I think yeah. it's a complete mess. And that's fine. And I, I give you. It's totally incoherent. If I it was coherent, I would be into it. It is pretty incoherent. There was a lot of parts in this movie where I was going like, now who's that relationship is that I mean, to who? I mean, like, I mean, structurally and thematically counselor. incoherent. I don't yeah, know. I the like plot makes them. perfect sense. It's just like, no, the, I don't, the plot, sure. But just like, I, what the I fuck is this movie about? I don't think it's about anything. I don't know what like people's relationships are to each other and like why they're together like at any given point. Yeah, it's, it's, this movie feels like everybody was drunk when they were making it. And then they maybe like lost some reels and stuff like that, too. They probably were drunk. I think I think that would spiked, be a pretty good spiked southern sweet tea on the porch. But okay, so to me, to my mind, tea. They're, they're drunk off twisted, twisted cans, tea. Mike's hard lemonade, tea and Mike's hard. Okay, so and in principle, Matt's right because there's no like full on. You, there's nary a <laughs> there's nary a penis or a breast. Oh, there's maybe on this. Well, none of the celebrities are like that naked. Change it for me. It's just dumb. No, I'm talking about the grossness, oh. the grossness but level what, of it. It's all kind of like hypothetical what grossness. What Travis is talking about, the scene in particular he was talking about, is they finally arranged to meet with Hillary Van Wetter. Hillary and Van Wetter. They, they go in, and it's Matthew McConaughey, Zac Efron, Yardley, and uh, Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time Nicole Kidman is seeing him in real life. They've uh-huh. just been corresponding... Uh, via letters they're married though they they got married or they're going to or they're about to get married they're engaged and they're all sitting in a line and then it's john cusack on the other side facing them and they're (laughs) ward matthew mcconaughey is trying to like get him to answer some questions about this crime because because you know they're like basically this crime is a sheriff got killed and a vile racist sheriff that nobody likes. Yeah, sheriff, but no, nobody likes called. got killed, and they think that John Cusack did it. But John Cusack saying, "I was with this guy, my my brother <clears> stealing <throat> uh, some shit from a farm, basically." Just and like in Just Cause, these like journalists are trying to save a person who's basically on death row from death row. But in Just Cause, but more it's just Bla- to get a it's, story. It's Blair Underwood, and Blair Underwood is introduced being like seeming like the most noble person in the world, and just like, "Please help me! I didn't do this. I'm a nice. Look at how nice a guy I am." Right. And Sean Connery's like, "Okay, I'll do what I can to help you." And then there's a twist at the end. And in this one, Johnny Cusack is introduced like, "Like we're trying to help you. We're journalists." 
I don't want to talk to you. You spread your legs. <laughs> yeah. So he he's just been he's so just immediately horny. the most disgusting person he's ever. Just been like so horny and gross and 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 locked up that he sees Nicole Kidman and obviously Nicole Kidman is so beautiful and he's like you look just like your picture and then he's like spread your legs and then he's like open your mouth and like imagine like what you said to me in your letters and then they basically just like and he's like rubbing his dick yes, through, he is. His, through his pants and. Uh, <laughs> and they everybody else is sitting around. Accuse, uh, uh, Jack, Zach Efron and Matthew McConaughey are just sitting around, just like his boner because he gets I guess, one. Yes, yes, he does. Oh my god! <laughs> um, so that <sighs> the first meeting does not is not as productive he busts, as they he wanted. In his, it to he be. comes in his pants, and there's like a you can see like the, the dress. moisture on his pants. And yeah, yeah. Nicole Kidman, I'm, I'm constantly reminded of that part in in the Simpsons that Simpsons episode. Sorry, where he's like, "You just sit here, sir, and maintain your dignity." <laughs> And I'm just like, come on, Nicole Kidman, maintain your dignity. You're I think a she's, great actor. she's deliberately trying not to do that, though. That's why she took the job. I, mean, I know. We've, we've, you know. We've she's just watched two very bad, fuck. Two very bad Nicole Kidman movies of the, in the last couple, several episodes. And it's just like, come on, Nicole. I think she's great in this. I think she's absolutely awesome in this. She's outrageous. There's so many dumb like character big swings that she just completely commits to. Later on, when she, we're going to get to it, when she pees on Zac Efron... She, that's literally her real urine. This is urine. what the movie's, oh, she really, she's really pees oh my on him. God. She, real, she really pees on him because she is in the character. She's like, this, this bitch is outrageous. She's definitely and going she's, for it. Yeah. And I, I think she's great in this. I, I don't, I think she did what she should have come there to do. I, yep. I wouldn't change anything about her character. For sure. I agree. <laughs> Um, I guess she's not technically bad, but I'm just constantly like... Like, if you met the lady she is playing on the street, you wouldn't want to fucking hang out with her. I don't know about that. (laughs) Well, then, like, what else do you want? You know what I mean? I think she's good in it. I I guess she's good. That's not my complaint. Uh, Yeah, I guess that's not... Yeah, my complaint isn't that she's necessarily bad so much as most of this This movie is just just gross, and I'm like, ew. Yeah. I don't think this is. I don't think this is considered a bad Nicole Kidman performance. I actually don't. No, think No, I mean considered... she's legit bad in um, uh, Trespass. Yes, the, she is. The one that she's very bad. If you want to see Nicole Kidman anything. be bad, there you go. Um, so they eventually, they're all just hanging out. Basically, this movie is they're all just hanging out <laughs> in between trying to put together this big article uh, freeing the the name for John Cusack. Who? They're, why why they're, do they keep going through? Why do they? Like after meeting John Cusack, it's surprise. I'm like, you're still gonna go through with this? He seems like a real scumbag. Like he doesn't. Want, he's not like, he doesn't more, even go. He doesn't even go like, please help me or anything. <laughs> At any point, he's just like, yeah, I'm, the, I'm the most disgusting man who ever lived. Fuck all you guys. And like, we gotta get this guy out of there. So they go and meet his cousin or his brother or whatever, and find out that John Cusack lived in a swamp. And swamp trash. Yeah, we we get to the swamp. They they drive there and they're like, fuck. Well, we can't. Then we're gonna have to take a boat. And then they have to like walk through the swamp. It's like literally dropped in the middle of the swamp. It's disgusting. They're all like eaten up by mosquitoes. Matthew McConaughey is covered in like mosquito bites and shit. They're just sweaty. And they meet uh, his cousin. I don't even remember who this guy is. His cousin, his brother, his uncle, and all of his children and his just shirtless pregnant wife and big old carton of ice cream. It's a gross swamp family. Yeah. It's literally what you would imagine being a gross swamp family. And, you know, the guy's like, I don't want to tell you that me and... John Cusack were off stealing something because that's stealing and you know, I don't want to get in trouble for that. And he's like, yeah, well, if you tell me this, that frees him up, that gives him an alibi for the murder. So you actually should tell. 
So they do, and then one of the guys comes out with a baseball bat and is like, okay, time to leave the swamp, you know? It's just like, this is the deep south. Aren't there like more, aren't there better cases to put this much time and effort into of people being unjustly well, put on that, death row? I think that question is set aside from the project of this movie. That's also, so I think so. that they're, they're small-time writers and journalists. They're not any big name. Like, he has a he has a job in Miami Times, but it's not like he is tracking down like the it's summers. It's not like he's tracking down any sort of Manson style whatever. Like there's a there's a small thing that happened to happen in his town where he grew up on. Mm-hmm. So he's going to try to cash in on that. Yeah. It's yeah. not so much that he cares <clears throat> about who died. We don't even really get to know whatever who Actually, died. The, the crime remains unsolved at the end of the movie. Yeah, oh. and so it's like, you know, it's just it's something. It's something for them to do, almost. Yeah, Yeah, I guess so. It's something for them to work on so that they could feel like they're actually having a purpose rather than laying around in their tidy whities all day in the summer heat, you know? (laughs) This is based on a novel, too. Yeah. And apparently the novel was a lot more disjointed. Wow. Well, I mean, that would make sense. Pete Dexter, you know, he's a very famous novelist, and he wrote a lot of really interesting stuff. Uh, I have not read this particular work of his, but... uh, I do know that he's credited as a screenwriter on this movie, but hates the movie. Mm. Okay, yeah, I can see that. So he must feel that it does not bear enough resemblance to his book to make any odds. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't make any difference as far as the movie goes, though. No. There's also, I want to point out this is something that a lot of people might hate, but I really like. There's also a lot of weird weird editing in this. <laughs> like, weird, like, slow motion, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. like uh, hazy kind of, like, I don't know how to describe it. Just like, like she's coming out of the courthouse in her wedding gown and Zac Efron's looking at her and it's just like very glowy around her face and like kind of overlapped images of her in her wedding dress and all this like slow motion, like quick cut stuff. And I don't know. I They're think doing all kinds of tricks. I like it. I like all that. Um, because I think that they lost a couple reels in it, and, and <laughs> I get the feeling I get the feeling that there's a same a part where they like Lee Daniels is handing all this shit to the editor and like enjoy goodbye and like runs out and the editor's like uh, what the oh I my don't, god I wish I could I wish I could follow <laughs> you down that path I think this movie is making a lot of deliberate choices uh-huh. and that is my big problem with it uh-huh. because as 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 much as I should be enjoying a lot of those decisions the thing that I am constantly left with at almost every turn is why. Mm-hmm. Like, why did you do it this way, Lee Daniels? Mm. What is the point here? I'm not asking what is this guy trying to say, because I think this is a dumbass question. Yeah. What I want to know is... It's why he decided to do Like, it. what is the point of this movie? Like, what are you up to? Do you think that you are... I mean, if, if we're just making a piece of intentional camp, that's fine. I don't think you did a good job. Mm. Um, if we're trying to say something about, like, sexual anxiety, racial animus, whatever, in this time period, we've failed. Mm. That doesn't seem like a strong enough impetus to do anything because it's not it's it's not even under the surface it's like right there it's just sort of laying around it's flat yep i think mostly this was him having a good time and i'm totally on board with that i just didn't have a good time watching i just thought it was having a good time like just kind of i don't know highlighting a bunch of like deeply flawed random ass characters i guess yes i think that that's his sort of mo is he like takes these flawed characters and then he's like let's this is drunk let's like drunk let's blow southern thriller quote unquote you know and it's really just look at look at precious burn. where he takes you know he takes scadbury to and like uh you know instead of instead of turning turning it into an after school special this like wrote thing about how we have to sympathize with this poor girl because of whatever how she looks whatever 
Instead, he's like, no, I'm going to show her eating a whole bucket of fucking fried chicken. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. just his M.O. Like he's he's definitely trying to be shocking. He's definitely trying to push buttons and break taboos and stuff. I think that the taboos that he's breaking are boring ones. Like he's they're like it's this is very, it's not very shocking to me. Like John Waters was making this movie in the late 60s, early 70s. John Waters. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's it. I mean, like, yeah, I don't it's going to work or not work for different people for different reasons. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm also I'm not shocked either. But I'm more just kind of vibe with it, and it's like yeah, the vibes are just not. Yeah. I, I see the vibes, I don't feel them, and that's and that's fine, and that's why yeah. we're here on this podcast mm. talking. I'm more of a Spring know? Breakers guy for these kind of vibes. Oh, I'm also a Corinne, a spring breaker, yep. so. yeah. I'm I mean, Corinne. I think that this movie. <laughs> You're like, Collins, I'm more of a trash humpers guy John myself. Waters. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I do think that this has something in common with what's now become your standard A24 meme movie. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, if this had an A24 logo in front of it, there would be um, gifts. It's pronounced A24. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> They can All go right. suck one. So, but this movie, like, it, it's uh, on the. There is like 15 minutes worth of a suspense movie plot in this movie, though. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't not fit in, in with our <laughs> with our podcast. It works. They eventually do clear his name. Yardley falsely, falsely, but Yardley leaves, and uh, but doesn't. That's why he leaves, though, is because he fakes. Isn't it? Isn't it because Yardley fakes something that they yeah. get John Cusack? Oh well, yeah, he, he, just, he just doesn't. He doesn't look at the rest of the facts, and he only takes what he what yeah. he wants. And so they kind of try to follow him. I think they're trying to get him back, and they end up at this crazy bar. And uh, Matthew Conaghy gets super drunk and starts talking to these guys at the bar, and they all <laughs> go back to this hotel, and uh, Nicole Kidman pounds on Zac Efron's Jack Efron. His name is Jack in the movie. Um, his door, and it's like something's going on in your brother's room. He's like, what if I'm jacking off in here? They run down, and uh, the guys are like kicking him, and he's all bloody, and he's hogtied like behind his back. Like what started out as maybe a drunken, like sexual thing that turned into like a, a, a an drunken, assault. Drunken basically. But I think that this might also be his thing because he has scars. Remember through yeah, the, I mean, I think we're supposed, to, we're supposed to believe that he's into I it. I think yeah. this is his thing. I don't think we're supposed to believe that he's into almost dying. No, though. no, certainly not. <laughs> it's certainly that's gotten out of control. Yeah, but like yeah, being, exactly. Being tied up and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. not assaulted, but you know, his role play is, stuff his like that. His face is lacerated. He's on a tarp that they've laid out for yeah. this express purpose. Yeah. I honestly do think that this is like this is his deal. Yeah, they they have some kind of sadomasochistic thing going on. And the guys that are doing it are kind of like too far. I don't know. They're they're like walking out going like, "Is what we what he wanted? I don't know." It was the '60s. We hadn't invented safe words and stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) So they he goes to the hospital. He's in the hospital for a long. He's in the hospital for basically almost almost the end of the movie until the climax or the end of the movie or whatever. (laughs) And because of this, he he does spend a good portion of the rest of the movie with an eye patch. Yeah. You better believe someone's got an eye patch on in this fucking movie. Uh, but yeah, let's, we're wrapping up towards the end. Uh, Zac Efron is apparently only mad at uh, at Matthew McConaughey because he didn't tell him about this, re- other than the fact that he didn't right. do it. So that's kind of sweet, I suppose. So Nicole Kidman, John Cusack gets freed. Nicole Kidman, he shows up at her house Ugh. in a really I didn't like this, this is scene. Certainly the most like, unpleasant. Kicks scene her roommate in the whole movie. out and like they have sex that goes from like. Seeming like it's consensual, seeming like it's really violent and not, and like back and forth. And then he's like, "Let's go, we're going to the swamp." And she's like, "I don't know if I'm gonna like it there." And it's like, "Girl, you're not gonna like it there at all." No, she knows. They're I mean, just she's like, they're basically... like, they're gutting alligators out there. They're eating 
they're eating fucking ice cream out of a tub, which doesn't <laughs> sounds good when I say it out loud, but it's like not. It's really sad and scary when you see it on the screen. Yeah. This this scene with John Cusick and Nicole Kidman, like he, there's like a part where he's just like jackhammering her up against like an oven and shit like that, and this is just a, this is like towards the end, and I'm just sort of like at this, I've I've so had it with this movie, and now I gotta <laughs> fucking watch this shit. John Cusick is the absolute grossest and the worst it's ever. Fucking... This. So they go to the swap, and he's it's implied that he's completely controlling and abusive and he won't he won't let her talk to anybody and Zach Efron's trying to get a hold of her he had like sent her his his mom's ring and stuff yeah. and he's super in love and he wants to go save her and it's the day of the wedding of his their dad and his bitchy the bitchy stepmom or whatever Matthew McConaughey's out of the hospital they're drunk at the wedding they decide to go to the swamp to go get Nicole Kidman <laughs> they're all drunk they're drunkenly going to the swamp to go get Nicole Kidman, and they're outside of the house in the swamp, drunk, just like swigging out of the bottle, being like, Charlotte. Her name is Charlotte, right? I don't yeah. Know. Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte. We we get a, a scene from inside the house. Charlotte's dead. John Cusack had like strangled her or something, and he's kind of just like petting her hair, and she has like a bloody nose, and she's just like dead on the couch. Yeah, and I and I only realized later that she was supposed to be dead because I didn't know if she was just like stunned or what. And then because you can see her breathing, like they, there's, there's this is a very loosely made movie. So there's one part when he's like playing with her face, and she's just clearly like, like I, they, I don't know. Maybe she was it's, dying. I or or maybe they, she's supposed to be dead, but she didn't know that the camera was or rolling that, or at this that. time and didn't do the <laughs> holding the breath thing. I don't know. No, it's sloppy. So John Cusack comes out and he's like, she's not here. She left. I don't know where she is. And they like, don't believe her. And there's an altercation and John Cusack takes a machete. This is the is most, what it is? I thought this is the most effective part of the entire movie. And just slowly <laughs> slits Matthew McConaughey's throat. And Zac what? Efron's just like sobbing and trying. And then just like, Jeez. you killed her. You killed him. And then like runs into the swamp this is this reminds this happens sometimes in like real cheapo like 70s horror movies that you'll see where everything is uh is so clunky but like when you're used to watching like slick horror movies or something like that you get used to the rhythms of how these kill scenes play out and so they're not as scary anymore mm. but if someone d- does it kind of ineptly it's it sets it's it's jarring yeah. and the rhythm is different and so you go like what it actually the violence sets you off shocks balance. you more yeah. so this scene like john cusack's got a Got his this machete up to Matthew McConaughey, the, basically the star of the movie, as far as we know. And you're like, all right, how's he gonna get out of the hole? Oh my god! <laughs> and he doesn't blood. slow too. Yeah, really slow. And you're like, oh, holy shit! And he bleeds a lot, probably because he drank like three bottles of whiskey. <laughs> his blood, his blood is very thin right now. Uh, oh gosh! <laughs> so eventually, we're led to. You know they get him. He's chasing. Yeah, this is all. This isn't exactly Cracker Jack stuff. Like after this, Zach Efron just sort of swims around in the swamp, and John Cusack kind of looks for him, and then that's the end. And then and then Macy Gray goes, "They caught him." In the end, they caught John Cusack, and he went back and he went to jail because you know because he, he actually did kill people. And the last shot is Mc- McConaughey and Kidman on the boat floating down the swamp. Yeah. You've seen Just Cause before, you know it's that. It's that nobody exact, nobody just, else just, has seen Just, just leaving Cusack's nightmare swamp. <laughs> Uh, and that's the paper boy. And you know what? In case you couldn't tell, I like this movie. I feel like I've put in I put in more work during this segment to defend this movie than I usually do. And I think that you did a great job. You did great, but you haven't convinced me. I'm not. I didn't think to. you were going to. I'm not looking to. No, I know. Uh, but I'm, maybe I've convinced someone out there to give it I'm a shot. I'm curious if you think that maybe. What's being presented here is that, like, amongst all of this murder and 
Wait, we didn't even talk about the jellyfish scene. We're going to get to that. Hold on, because there's a really good line in that scene. <laughs> but uh, amongst all the murder and the political background of the time and all of the racial, racial animus and all this stuff, if maybe what we're supposed to be looking at is Lee Daniels sort of, like all of the sexual dysfunction is what is what is uniting everybody. Yeah. Like psychosexually, that is what is like both like it's the thing everything orbits around but it's also that gravity that keeps spinning them out of control yeah i mean uh and you know sounds smart interesting but so what but uh and maybe i'm just like grabbing the drugs but so what we all sweat out of the same dirty pores well there you go i mean it's exactly kind of what i'm saying and like his fetish object and this is clearly efron whom he lingers over oh god i was I was loving the the gaze put onto Efron. Eating, eating jello in his tidy whities in slow motion. I, I think Zac Efron's a really uh, a good actor. I think he's really funny, and I th- I don't know. I think I agree with I you. Just I everything like I've seen him in, even I, in, I never watched like uh, whatever he was famous, like High School Musical or whatever. Right. I think my sister even did, the bad but. shit that he's in, I, I like him. Yeah. He was in that uh, greatest beer run ever movie last year. where He goes to Vietnam with a couple of cases of Paps. Oh, I still haven't seen that. It's not very good. Uh, even the shitty new Firestarter, I thought he was a good. He dad was in pretty it. good in that. Yeah. Um, uh, Twisted Firestarter. But yeah, the jellyfish scene, yeah. which has, inarguably, in my opinion, the best line in the movie, where first she slaps Lolita out of his hand. He's reading Lolita. <laughs> but then, but she's like running down in the, she's like. So he goes swimming in the ocean, you guys, and he's pissed off because Nicole Kidman doesn't love him back or whatever. And he's, yeah. he's just lovesick. And he goes swimming in the ocean, it's something very, he loves to do. It's a very jellyfish rich swimmer. ocean yeah. here. And it's a cool scene, and the water's clear, but then all of a sudden. <laughs> He's literally attacked by jellyfish, you guys. I thought that the scenes where him he's underwater and there's the jellyfish around were even sillier than the Nicole Kidman peeing on him later. I thought that those shots where he's going, ah, and there's all these jellyfish. I was just like, that's pretty, pretty, that's pretty wild. It's pretty silly. <laughs> but he, the, the best geez. line is when she goes, if anybody's going to piss on him, it's going to be me. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't like strangers peeing on him. He don't like strangers <laughs> peeing on him. Because there's all these girls, and before she was like, why don't you... Go get a blowjob from one of those girls or whatever. He's like, I don't want a blowjob from those girls. I want from you. And there's all these like hot girls, and they're like trying to. They're like, one of them's like, I'm actually a nurse, so I I am going to pee on him. And Nicole Kidman, like yeah. like Matt said, was like, if anyone's going to pee on him, it's going to be me. Like she she has a very. It's weird. I only like it with when these strangers people, pee on me, so. mm-hmm. The relationships with these people are just like very kind of. I don't know how to say it. They're like jelly, you know, fluid like, related. Yeah. Yeah, fluid related. They are. They I literally was like, they're like, like sometimes, sometimes there is a sexual chemistry between the two. Sometimes he's like her, her son or her little brother or something. And I think that goes back to what Macy Gray was saying, where she was, he was like, yeah, Nicole Kidman to him was the mother that abandoned him, the high school sweetheart he never had, and then this uh, mature sexual woman that is going to like show him the way. Well, there's that crucial moment we made fun of it earlier, but in that, in the case of what you're saying, it actually makes more sense that Macy Gray is like, oh, I've seen you jerking off before. Let's let's which places now. Yeah. Yeah, that totally does. You know. Uh and then Nicole Kidman pees on him yes. and, Lee... and apparently it's actually Nicole Kidman. And then later I guess Lee Daniels wanted to cut that scene cuz he actually was like this this might be a little too much and Nicole Kidman's like you, Don't made, you, dare. you made me literally <laughs> pee on him. On Zac Efron. You need to leave it in because I I went there for this character and so question. I really want to. Let me ask you a question. Is Zac Efron the only man to ever be pissed on by Nicole Kidman? Mm. Probably. I'm sure Tom was pissed on. Yeah. I'm sure Tom was pissed on. And I'm sure he likes that shit. Next Mission Impossible no movie. No kink shaming, but I'm sure Tom was okay. pissed on. I was going to say, pretty big honor. But also, <laughs> uh, that we've seen, that the public has seen? 
Yeah. Certainly that the public has seen. Yeah. Certainly. That's definitely not my deal, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. What, but I mean, you know what? Go Nicole, for her. Nicole yeah, Kidman? Good for her. Go for him. <laughs> Nicole Kidman, though, I don't know. Because if he, if he was Nicole the, if he was pulls the, out the stops and this. If he was the only man to ever be peed on by Nicole Kidman, I would, if that was me, I would put it on my fucking tombstone. Oh, yeah. It's just a thing that you that you know about. You're like, you're, that was my life. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> I that's, achieved that. That's the that. ultimate participation I, trophy there. I, hey, Nicole Kidman <sighs> peed on me, and I got paid for it. Yeah, I got paid for it. They, made, got... they made fun of the movie. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's Zach Efron. It really doesn't matter. Um... This is um, this is John Cusack. This is like a so he likes his woman or his bitch as he often calls her because he's the most loathsome, reprehensible person from the moment we meet him. Uh, but Nicole Kidman shows up the second time and she's wearing pants and he gets oh, furious wow. with her and then he starts listing a bunch of man's names and mm-hmm. he's like, "Those are fellow prisoners of his." And he goes, "Every goddamn man in here wears pants. How am I supposed to tell the difference between you and them?" Good point. How would you tell the difference between Nicole Kidman and wearing pants and a bunch of prisoners? She's also wearing, wearing, you guys, she's also wearing, like, gold glittery pants. It's not like she's wearing, like, fucking Dickies black work pants or whatever, you know? But she's obsessed with pants, and then then, uh, Matthew McConaughey (laughs) comes back. And uh, and at a certain point is like I'm just trying to figure out a way you let me help you get you off death row. He's like ah, but I'd rather jerk off and whatever. Uh, and he's like he's just <laughs> trying to convince this guy to let him help him. Yeah. But the guy's too reprehensible to even be able to hear anything. And at a certain point he's just like I want something about pants, whatever. I want the freedom of pants or some shit. And then <laughs> Matthew got hey leans in here. You listen to me now. <laughs> I'm this. your mercy. I'm your arms wide open. I'm your pants. <laughs> I wrote that down too. I thought that was amazing. Matthew McConaughey, I'm your pants. <laughs> I'm your mercy. I'm your arms wide open. Mm. I'm your pants. Fucking a man is the most natural thing in the world, Jack. Good point. Nicole Kidman, she's not wrong. Uh, at one point, uh, they've just been sitting around, <laughs> and you hear over the Matthew McConaughey is talking to his boss at the Miami Herald, and he, <laughs> they've just been sitting around. They've they've gone and visited John Cusack maybe once. They've interviewed one other person. He goes. <laughs> His boss, you can hear, he goes, you've been up there for a month and a half. And you're like, what? Oh, my God. Okay, and then there's a scene where Zac Efron and Nicole Kidman have sex. And we've seen so much at this point. Uh, apparently, they didn't want to do a sex scene together or something. And, it, and it, Macy Gray, she's now fully no longer, she's not, like, talking by, to by this the way, interviewer. any movie she's where Macy Gray hat. appears and does not say, fucking my guys, check out, cop. <laughs> Is a, is a waste of my time. She's so good in training day. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. But she goes, uh, that's like when they're about to, they're threatening to have a sex scene between Zach Efron and Nicole Kidman, or they're showing it at least. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it gets really like, really like, um, per, like one-on-one with the audience where she goes, she's clearly talking to a movie audience. It's weird. She goes, it feels kind of awkward to be talking while you see this, but it's kind of awkward that they did it. And then they show a little bit more, and she goes, Anywho, I think y'all seen enough. <laughs> and then they cut away from the sex scene. But uh, we see John Cusack fucking railing her at the swamp yeah, house or whatever. Yeah, we see plenty of that. Great. Uh, let's see. Gonna get all inside here is what John Cusack says. Mm. You can probably imagine when. Kill me. Kill me now. <laughs> you can put your black hair in my food is the thing that Zac Efron says to Macy. Oh, oh we didn't one. talk about the one... During the movie, there was one time where he, Zach Efron's in a fight with Yardley, and he calls him the N-word, and Macy Gray's standing right behind him. Yeah. And she looks at him, and he looks at her, and you can tell he's like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. you know, that's basically my mom, you know? And then he goes and apologizes to her. and, and then, Not to him, though. 
yeah. And then she's like, oh, it's That's okay. It's, it's okay, blah, 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 blah. He goes up the stairs. It. He's also wearing a, a button shirt and no pants. He goes up the <laughs> stairs. And then he turns around and comes back down and hugs her and then keeps giving her kisses on the shoulder. Pretty, and it was so cute yeah, and I loved cu- it. It's cute and weird and it's like that kind of stuff. It's just this tiny sliver that might yeah. have been interesting. I also, at the very end, we find out this is what Macy Gray says about Zac Efron's character. He became a writer of some renown. Good. It doesn't seem he doesn't seem like he can even read in this movie. <laughs> Earlier he he says he writes, but I thought he was just saying that to impress Nicole Kidman. Tidy whitey reviews for GQ or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyways, ratings. Oh uh, boy, here we go. This is this is where here the rubber go. meets the road, everybody. I need to give <laughs> yeah. this. I need to give this one and a half juds. Mm. I could go charitably and give it two juds, but I, I was so bored. Uh, I mean, I've, 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 I'm out of stuff to say about it. I respect uh, all of your guys' ratings. I, I thought, I thought that this movie, this is the kind of thing that I should love, but I was totally bored by. I think it's, I think it's empty. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's like a re- pretty big sin for something like this. Uh, I'm gonna give it like four Douglases. Mm. Um, and I'm gonna give it. I mean, there's just, it's got everything. Uh, it's just kind of no fun. If it was like sleazy in a fun way for me, I would have been like, oh, cool, five Douglases. And this it was just kind of like, oh, come on, get on with it. Uh, and then I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 hogtied McK- Matt McSee's. Damn. He really gets his. He really gets to step into the spotlight as far as embarrassing stuff. We later definitely on in get the movie. to see Matthew McConaughey's butt a few times in this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Much like I, True Detective, I think I would have preferred this movie was just him telling the story with little beer can dudes that he'd. That's what every <laughs> Matthew McConaughey movie should yeah. be. I'm gonna drink another six Lone Stars and tell you Saturday, a tale. Saturday uh, by a day off, I and on my day Lone off, stars. I drink. I'm gonna There's tell you about in the fridge. Yeah, but I don't want a Lone Star. Okay. I'm gonna tell you about the time I went to space. <laughs> I was all interstellar with shit. Now here we go. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. I'm gonna give it one. Oh my god. One judge. Oh wow. Don't like this movie at all. Not not my kind of thing for sure. Like I don't know if there was a chance that I was gonna like it. Um, it's just not my yeah like the people that we were listing Harmony Corinne, uh Todd Solins John Waters not my not my deal not, not my kind of thing um, yeah four Douglases as well and I'm gonna give it uh, ten out of ten naked Matthew McConaughey's on the toilet which we also get to see oh yeah we do <laughs> yeah he's like you know the point of a shower is to get in there while the water's running <laughs> all right you guys. Yeah. All right, guys. Here we go. Do it up. I'm going to give this four Juds. Oh, okay. Yes. I, I was re- really hoping for Hallelujah. the Hallelujah. I, I almost did 4.5, but then I feel like the 0.5 was me almost doing it to spite things, and I don't want it to be inauthentic. <laughs> so four Juds is what I'm going to give it. I I think this movie, is, this movie to me is a lot of fun. This movie looks great to me. I love the outrageous bonkersness of all the characters i think nicole kidman fucking hits it out of the park zach efron's great i love the sweaty swamp setting uh john cusack repulsed me so effectively that i think even he has something to do with it and uh macy gray rules so yeah this is like a a sleazy trashy summer paperback which maybe is what it i don't know i didn't read the book but it's something like that it's some this movie if this movie was a book you would just be reading it on the beach like topless maybe you know you know what i mean just drinking uh twisted teas out of a can and i give this movie four douglases for every everything very high for emily it's very high for me but i do think it does 
uh, a good job at hitting a bunch of gross sleaziness. A lot of fluids. Mm -hmm. Lots of fluids in this. Um, and John Cusack just totally made me want to barf. <laughs> and I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 pairs of sweaty tidy whities Yeah. Uh, good a, gravy. Geez. Well, That's a favor. I'm like exhausted. <laughs> Well, now it's Matt's now turn it's my to shine. Turn. Now I can kick back for a sec. But I also really, you know, I like this. I, mean, this I like is, both of these next movies. So This yeah. this movie is kind of like the the mirror image of the last one for me. It's just like the you could you could make the same fucking argument that I made against the paperboy against the counselor. Yeah, this is this is the same fucking shit as the as but the paperboy. Boy, like, I would This is a little if, glossier, a little less sweaty. Well, Ridley, yeah, Ridley Scott's visually a, a quite quite different in a quite a different league than than Lee Daniels. It's Ridley Scott, but uh but at the same time, like I, if I'm going to recommend this to somebody, I like this movie. But if I'm going to recommend it to somebody, it's going to be with a lot of with caveats, caveats. Yeah, lots exactly. of them. Just get ready for a <laughs> litany of caveats. Hey, you're going to have to like movies that uh, that are absurdly weird, weirdly psychological, uh, philosophical, that don't go anywhere, that are bleak, uh, and and on and on. It's it's very strange. But of course, the movie is The Counselor. Life is being in bed with you. Everything else is just waiting. Will you? Yes, I will. <laughs> I intend to love you until I die. Me first. Counselor! My back's against the wall, man. Money problems are serious problems. I will set it up. 625 kilos. We're probably looking at 20 million. I know why I'm in it. Do you? It's a nice ring. Want to know how much it's worth? I always thought a law degree was a license to steal, but you hadn't really capitalized on it. I'm really worried, maybe. It's going to be all right. If you pursue this road that you've embarked upon, you will eventually come to moral decisions that will take you completely by surprise. You should be careful what you wish for. You might not get it. The Counselor, Counsel written Counselor. by Cormac McCarthy, not based on one of his books. No, this is a screenplay this written by Cormac McCarthy. Original screenplay by Cormac McCarthy. It is my favorite piece of writing by Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have only read a few of the novels, but out of all of them, this is my favorite uh, work of his. Um, and I, I think this is a top five Ridley Scott movie. This is just like completely bonkers out of control. Yeah. It's also uh, very slow, like almost glacial in spots, but uh, I, I am... Totally enamored with just about every second of it. I find it deeply funny, like front to back hilarious. Yeah. And uh <laughs> and it just I don't know, it's perfect. I yep. saw this in theaters when it came out. I was I was Me working too. at a movie theater and I saw it and that's the only other time I had seen it and I looked at my letterbox and I gave it one star. <laughs> which is crazy because I feel like I very rarely give things one star. And then re upon rewatch I was like, No, this is definitely I like this movie. What I don't know. Yeah. It didn't work for me back then for some reason, but that was ten years ago. So uh, it needs a it needs a couple goes. I yeah. mean, I think the first time. I don't think I don't know if I hated it the first time, but it was definitely like because it's a movie that's deliberately withholding yeah. and intentionally like frustrating. And also, stuff. I think I was very. I I feel like the characters and the plot I couldn't keep straight mm -hmm. uh, when I had first seen it and watching it in the theater. I think you know. When I watch something at home, I can like cheat and look at Wikipedia and help myself, yeah, you know, a little sure. bit. And I can put subtitles on. So I was like, oh. yeah. the, uh, I mean, I think that the, the theatrical cut is it's an inferior version of the movie. It's a little choppier. 
It doesn't. It's not as digressive. You get all the plot stuff. You get the broad strokes of pretty much everything. All the same stuff is in the movie. There are just like a lot more grace notes. It's just more sauce. Yeah. Uh, and it's like twenty five minutes longer or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I just you know, it, and I liked it in the theater too. I was like, that was really good, and I could see why everybody hated it. And then when they put out the blonde cut on on home video, I was like, oh, this is way better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ridley Scott always doesn't he always say that whenever he does like a, a cut that's just that's his choice. It's not like the studios are pressuring him to do it. Generally not. I mean, I he think, always, that's what I he think says. in this case he's like I he's like I, here's a really good commentary track on the long cut where he's like, you know, sometimes I get a little too excited. Sometimes I throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, he's like, but he's he's like pretty sanguine about how how he re, how how he cut the movie down. He's like, no, nobody pressured me to do this. Yeah. I just thought I was making the better movie. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. Here's the here's a longer cut. Like it, there's a part where they uh when they put they like Brad Pitt gets his head cut off, and they're put so you see his head fall on the ground, and the EMT like puts his head gingerly back on top of his body before they zip up the body bag, and and Ridley on the commentary is like, I think maybe I should have left that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know? that wasn't in the theatrical. That's, yes. Uh, but I, but I I think it's funny like he had like a two and a half hour cut of this and cut it down to two, About two yeah. and it's and, yeah. but like with with other movies I could see like well you're not gonna get the uh, box office if you keep it this way or like if you make that kind of choice right. but it's like nobody's was ever gonna like this movie to clarify me and Travis watched the shorter <laughs> version and Matt, yeah, we, Matt yes, watched the director we both watched the short one and it doesn't matter how much you cut it down this is a movie that's gonna be unpalatable to most people sure yeah I think it's so. fucking weird and frustrating and gross it's it has a weird tone for sure yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was not going to do Buffalo box office anywhere. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Give him a, just put out the two and a half hour. Who gives a shit? I believe some critic famously called this like it might have been Andrew O'Hare in Salon back in the day. Yeah, and I believe he called this like the worst movie ever made by this like this many talented people all yeah. in the same <laughs> oh, room. No. You know, it's just like how dare you? Yeah, there was people were really teeing off on this thing when it came yeah, out. Yeah, this was like a film audit. Now it is basically reclaimed. I don't think anyone really thinks that's still that it's like a piece of shit. No, but at the time, yeah, people were like, "What the fuck?" And it's not like everybody loves it anymore. This movie's become more. But you can, if you get ooh, watch it another time, you can go like, "Well, this is clearly the movie they wanted to make." This is I like mean, a, this, this is like, like an a annual mess. watch for me. So like. I'll just watch this, this one all the time. I've seen this a bunch of times. It's the fourth or fifth time I've seen it, and I'm, yeah. every time I watch it, like, damn, yeah. jeez, that's great. This fucking movie, come on. So it starts with uh, <laughs> it starts with, with Michael oh, yeah. Michael Fassbender and deep his, into the pool, right? His new girlfriend gate. Penelope Cruz are having a uh, assignation oh in a hotel room somewhere <laughs> under some silky this. white linen sheets. I want saying you to touch of, me down there. Saying lots of dirty stuff to each other. He keeps egging her on. He's like, "Tell me what? Why don't you just tell me what you want me to do to you, baby?" Well, here's the whole thing. He's asking for advice this entire movie. He keeps asking for uh-huh. for, for people to tell him what to do or to tell him what's what's good and what's not good. So and this always, is the first this is the first instance that we see. And yes. people always hilariously say, "I can't advise you, yeah. counselor." counselor. <laughs> well, he doesn't. Have, he doesn't. Have, everybody else has a name. He doesn't have a name. He's the counselor. He's the counselor. That's right. <laughs> it's that kind of movie. Um, and also, like that that line where she where he says like Why don't you just tell me what you want me to do to you?" is very crucial mm-hmm. to just the thematic and structural form of this movie. Mm-hmm. Of like, there's another great line later on when I think it's Ruben Blada says to him, or somebody is like, "You think you can be a part of this of this world and not be a part of it?" It's the Cormac McCarthyist thing. Yeah, it's very McCarthyist, McCarthyist. I don't know. And it's just that that whole thing, like you know, we're just keep we keep dropping these little philosophical pearls everywhere. They don't honestly cohere. I don't think. 
Um, they kind of work as their own personal little bon mots or whatever. Yeah, and cones. I mean, he keeps dealing with different stuff. It's definitely a little messy. I mean, like the the scene later where he's talking to the jeweler is much much longer in the in the long cut where and it starts to go into this whole thing about how the jeweler is like a Sephardic Jew and where his home and all of this stuff. Mm. And you know it's uh, it's long. It's, it's, like half it's the digressive. Time, half the time, like when you tell me about these like these director's cut scenes that they added more stuff, like I go like I gotta see that. And then but like that one, like that scene's already too long. It's, really like, long. it's just him buying a fucking diamond, and then yeah. they're going on and on about nonsense. Well, I talk a lot about how you know when you're when you're buying a jewel and you're buying a diamond, you're searching for imperfection. And that ties into the whole, you know, the whole philosophy of the cartel. And a perfect diamond would be composed completely of light. Yeah. We announce to the darkness that we will not be diminished by the brevity of our lives. <laughs> so good. <laughs> uh, but we, we, we do, we'd be remiss to skip by this scene at the beginning with Penelope No, Cruz which does and, have well, uh, another great line of dialogue where he, he claims that she has the most luscious pussy in all of Christendom. But that's in, that's in the director's cut. Yes, it and is. And we're, we're assuming that he saw Dead Men Don't Dance. Or tough guys tough don't guys dance. Don't it's possible dance that that is a reference to point, tough guys don't dance. Uh, Ryan O'Neill is described as having the biggest cock in Christendom. Yeah, but he also, but this is Michael Fassbender with his fucking. T- I, 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 it's I not want like you he's to bad. put your fingers inside of me. She I keeps want, saying. She goes, "I want you to touch me down there." And he's like, "All right, baby. Yeah, well, I'm definitely from the south." Yeah, he has a pretty terrible he goes, accent. God, you're sopping. How do you get yourself in such a state? Are you are I think you are exaggerating the <laughs> southern part of <laughs> it because he really doesn't have that. He he's like, God, you're sopping. Yes, yeah, it's a, te- you, a Texas How did you accent. get yourself in that state? How did you get yourself in such a state? And she goes, thinking about your sweet face between my legs. So bad. And you're like, Cormac, mm. no. Right, not renowned for his like, as an inveterate, <laughs> as an inveterate dirty texter. Uh, this is something that I God. think is like bad. <laughs> like, th- there's just no elegance to this. It's, this is like a classic quintessential case of a. Uh, th- I think, think this whole movie is a quintessential case of a talented writer not having anybody telling him anything now. And <laughs> it's just and full full reign. Uh, right. I think it, I think it does work, but it's clearly like uh, this. This guy is a, is a talented writer. At this point, you know, he wrote No Country for Old Men, right? And he's just like a full on god tier like kind of guy, and it's and like nobody's saying shit. Yeah, Cormac, whatever you do, it must be great. Even if I'm reading it and going like, what? Like, ugh, is this maybe bad? No, it can't be. It's because it's Cormac McCarthy and then, wrote And it. then it lands on Ridley Scott's desk, who is maybe the one guy who could get away with making this without it getting noted to death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no way, like, Scorsese could make it, but he wouldn't. No, for sure. No. You know? This is just, just not, not his, his thing. thing. The Coens have been there and done that. Yeah. Uh, Ridley Scott sees this, and he's like... That's a number one record. <laughs> you know now it's I mean? my turn to shine. <laughs> and this movie is so similar to No Country for Old Men, like thematically, even plot-wise. It's mm-hmm. like a a guy r- runs afoul of the cartels, and and from the moment he's and they are an implacable the moment, force. Yeah, an implacable force from the moment he gets involved. That he's already his doom. Yeah, has already been sealed, and it's just him realizing that. That's the whole movie, and that's what No Country for Old Men is, 100%, except it's full of ex- exciting scenes. Yes. <laughs> Incredibly, incredible legendary set pieces and stuff like that, in, in addition to its, and like, it's, bleakness it's and whatnot. Its humor is more pronounced. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Although I think this movie is deeply funny. I think, <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing my ass off through this yeah. one. I think a lot of it's deliberate and a lot of it's not. I think it's whatever. mostly deliberate, yeah. And I think the parts that maybe aren't so deliberate, they're all of a piece. Yeah, I don't really have many complaints. Yeah. I think this is this is one of those. I, I this this movie puts me in a Matt Lynch sort of mindset uh-huh. because I do think it's bad, 
but I don't like it ironically. Okay. I do like it. I think uh, it's yeah. bad. I think that this is an absolute masterpiece. This is like top five. It's really. just so fucking unique. Yeah. Like we were saying, like th- nobody would make this, but somehow you got Ridley and Cormac, and it's two people that are not going to get noted. Yeah. They get to do whatever they want, and what they want to do is fucking strange. Yeah. And and it's got people <laughs> talking like that. Like we were the saying, whole time. My God, you're shopping. You're that makes me God. think of something that Emmanuel Kant once said or whatever the fuck. <laughs> So yeah. he's in love with uh, with Penelope Cruz. And then, meanwhile, the counselor is also getting himself in bed with the cartel. He is, along with his business partner, Rainer, Javier played by Bardem. Javier Bardem. Hell yeah. With a hilarious wardrobe haircut whole thing. <laughs> the haircut's amazing. He looks like Derek Zoolander. 100% <laughs> Javier Bardem doing Derek Zoolander. <laughs> he even kind of sounds like him. He he's kind of a dumb pretty boy, too. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's not. he's not like... He's kind of positioned as a guy who might maybe I know a little bit more about this world than you do, counselor. But he's also stupid and, yeah. and like getting played. And, and, and well, he's no just shit. like he loves spending money. He loves being wealthy, and he he loves his his. It's cheetahs. implied that he doesn't really care about the consequences, or he doesn't think those consequences are real until you know. He's got his two cheetahs, Chester and Anita. He loves cheetahs, and uh, he loves women. Oh, Rainer yeah. talks endlessly about pussy. By the way, not a lot of I've never been all that ex, uh, exposed to Cormac McCarthy's weird shit about women before. This is the first. There's th- a whole lot of it in here. Yeah, I've read three <laughs> of his books. There's no weird shit about women in it. There aren't a lot of women in his books at all. Anyway. Absolutely, yeah. But um, nobody, but nobody soliloquizes about it. No, not and, quite and not, so well. And so you get a lot of people, and you're like, oh, Cormac McCarthy's got some weird shit. Yeah. Well, like, surprise, surprise. I mean, it's right. not like it's that, it's like that shocking, but you just never heard about it. Rainer loves women. He's endlessly talking about uh, girls that he's had sex with or, or situations in which other guys have, who are friends of his have had sex with strange women, uh, et cetera, and so forth. And Rainer's girlfriend is Malkina, uh, played by Cameron Diaz, and probably her greatest performance ever. Wow. With a full cheetah back tattoo. <laughs> Full cheetah back tattoo, originally filmed in a Barbadian accent. And not of a cheetah, you guys, just of cheetah spots. Cheetah spots, yeah. Because she is a cheetah. Yeah, because she's, she's fast a and powerful. Yeah. And uh, I wish, I wish they had not hour. re-ADR'd her original, her, her voice back in. There's a few, same, there's yeah. a there's few, few lines where it comes through. Where it comes through, but then it almost seems jokey because she yeah. hasn't been doing it the whole time. Yeah. yeah, there's one scene where she's talking about how she's from Barbados, and then she starts talking in the accent, and I think it's supposed to be like, I could talk, you know, that's she's how I talk, but I don't, yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't, and you and you and it's kind of like, this is the same as with the two and a half hour length. Just fucking let it happen, yeah. man. Yeah, why, are we, why are we? Yeah, the, for, especially with the long cut, I'm like, man, they should have just let that rip. Yeah. Yes. She's scary. She's powerful. She's beautiful, just like Cheetah. And she is completely obscured. Obscured too. Every literally every other character in the movie is like, I don't know what to do with her, but I know I'm scared of her. Yeah. Javier Bardem's like her boyfriend, and he's and he's like just like, you don't even want to know, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> even when, when we'll her and that. Penelope Cruz are like sunbathing, that scene's a lot longer. She's like, too, yeah. she's like asking about Penelope Cruz's ring, and she's like, do you know how many carrots it is? And she's like, no. And she's like, she puts it on, and she like looks at her other jewelry, and she's like, okay, three and a half. Three and a half carats, and she's like, Penelope Cruz, like, I really didn't want to know. And then she's like, do you want to know how much it's worth? And she's like, no. And she's like, okay. Like, she has, she has <laughs> this right. power that she just, like, kind of spins over people because she knows it all, or she can find it out, or she can take care of it while just, like, relaxing and looking beautiful. 
Well, plus her and her and her pussy is an unknowable, terrifying place that will devour us all. Yeah, it's a bottom feeder. Baby. I w- literally, and I would I would argue that that might be the central unifying field theory of this movie. Yeah, is that I, is that women are a soul sucking, devouring force as evil as not of evil, yeah. but of gravity. As evil as so many people are in this movie, Cameron Diaz is the main bad guy. She's the one who knows is basically yes. making all this shit happen without any compunction about it. And you know what? Because I, she's a yes. I would be too if my Hashtag parents if my boss. parents were thrown into the ocean out of a helicopter <laughs> when, when I was when I was three or four. Or I would also be yeah. you in, know I would be Atlantic working with a little ocean. edge. Hashtag girl boss for sure. Hashtag girl boss. Go for her. Go this is Javier Bardem talking to Fastbinder, and this is just some of the woman stuff. It's like, you know what women like about you? They can sniff out the moral dilemma. The truth about women is that they'll let you do anything to them except bore them. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, totally. All right, sure. As a woman, I agree. <laughs> and then at one point, we get Chekhov's bolito. They're well, just, he talks about the shoot, bolito. They're just shooting the shit, and then and then uh, Javier Bardem goes, you know what? You know, what? Let's talk about this thing called a bolito. I... I I don't know why. Well, it's funny, too, because you know what a Bolito is? And, and Michael Fassbender's like, isn't it one of them string ties? It's like, kind of. Kind of like that. Not but a Bolo tie, <laughs> but a Bolito. Yeah, it explains the Bolito, which is a, is a metaphor for the entire film. Yes. And what's it's happening so to Fassbender. <laughs> and it's a me- it's like a metal wire that runs through a, a like a electric or a mechanical loop. It's basically you like an automated zip tie with yeah, wire. It's an automated yep. zip tie that you can't break, and it garrots you until your head comes Pretty off. Pretty slowly, over, too. Over three like, to five minutes, he yes. says. Yes. Um, so that's funny. That, that, will, that will come up later. But this is exactly like the scene in No Country for Old Men where Tommy Lee Jones is in that cafe and he's like, you know what? I, oh, he's talking to the waitress, I think, or yeah. something like that. I was just thinking about uh, you know, that thing that they used to kill cattle. And just like where some a person sort of hypothetically talks about the big, scary, weird Air weapon. Gun weapon. Or whatever. Yeah. This movie's so much like No Country, but like so crazy different. <laughs> much too. more. It's, it's differently elegant, I would say. <laughs> differently um, elegant. The. Uh, then and then we move on to we meet Westray, which is Brad Pitt's character, who's like the broker of oh the deal. I, MVP of the movie, in my opinion. His whole style in this very funny. He's so funny. He's so hot. I mean, it's Brad Pitt, whatever. But almost like, every line he's is like hilarious. impeccably dressed in like these just well-fitted clothes and his big old cowboy hat and his long like greasy hair and mustache and it's just. Whew. Well, he's wearing that white suede uh, denim whatever outfit he's he, got on. He I don't looks know. so good. Yeah, he looks great. And he's really funny, and he's like he basically keeps talking in circles to the counselor. The counselor will be like, "So, uh, what uh, what do we do with this cartel deal?" And he's like, "I don't know, can't advise you, counselor. But here's what I do know: women are the most powerful force." In, you know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> he's man, doing what his the like his like signature like licking his lips all the time bullshit he always does. Yeah. It's uh, quite beautiful. Brad Pitt's great in this. Yeah. I think th- I think that maybe Ridley, because th- he's doing so much mouth stuff in this movie. I think Ridley, he, like he kept on going, like Ridley, can I get some snacks? Yeah, yeah. You know, to do my like <laughs> traditional thing. And Ridley was like, No. How about that? Let's see what happens. And he's like, <laughs> constantly just doing weird shit with his mouth. I mean, it works. He's I feel very, like he's he very does this in other in movies, though. I feel like that's kind of his weird thing. Usually he's know. got a shrimp cocktail to gnaw yeah, right. or Yeah, or like, like a gum or something. There, the, he has this one really funny line reading that it's like, maybe no one else thinks this is funny, but it gets me every time, and it's totally innocuous, but they're in this bar, and uh, uh, Brad Pitt orders a Heineken, and then Michael Fassbender's like, make it two, and then they sit down at the table, and the waitress comes over with the two Heinekens and gives them the beer, and Brad Pitt gives her a $20 bill, and she's like, about to give him change, and he just goes, no, you're good. <laughs> like, in the most dismissive and completely, well, that's like... that's right after he, like, stares down her shirt, too. Yes. 
And it's just like it's just so funny to me. Yeah, it almost, it almost looks like he was gonna like yell at her or something. And yeah. then he's like, no, he's you're, like, no, nah, just change. just keep the money. It's just money. This is a fun just for our podcast. Here's a, here's a line that Brad Pitt has, and, and everybody's constantly like talking to Michael Fassbender and going, "Don't do this." Don't do it. Yeah. You're fucking with things. It's, you're just going to die. Everyone's going to die. You're and fucking Michael with forces Fassbender you have. And Michael keeps no... asking people to tell him what to do. And and they, they keep and saying, I, don't do it. My advice is to not fucking do it, you yeah. idiot. Um, but like at one point, he's, he says, maybe I should tell you what Mickey Rourke told What's-His-Face. You shouldn't yes. get involved in this arson-type deal or something. And that is, of course, well, he's like, he's like body he's heat. Like, yeah, he says, like, maybe oh, I damn. should tell you what Mickey Rourke said. And, he, and Michael Fassbender goes, that this arson is a very serious crime? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of Classic scene from Body Heat, Mickey Rourke. And uh, William Hurt, and, and, and you know, and a movie that that very very classically is about a guy who absolutely should fucking know better. <laughs> yeah. Another quite sweaty movie. Yes, pretty sweaty. Dry heat though. And a movie about uh, the implacable force of a woman's pussy being able to destroy every man's <laughs> life into which they come contact. Well, uh, wait, let's get to it. Shall we get to it right now? Well, yeah. I mean, why I mean, not? The, sh- the, sh- the showpiece scene of the movie is where Rainer. Uh, recounts, regales, I should say, Michael Fassbender, the counselor, with the story of the time Malkina fucked his car. Well, he keeps, at the beginning, he keeps being like, and she's done some stuff and I don't want to talk about it. And he's like, well, what did she do? And he keeps being like, it's just, I don't know. And like, he keeps asking. He's like, finally, he's like, okay, you asked for it. But Here's the thing the story. is, like, Rainer keeps telling stories about shit that he's done with women. Like, he tells that long story about the, they had the buddy who didn't speak English. And he wanted to know, he wanted to ask a lady at the club, may I have this dance? And they're like, he's like, how does he say, may I have this dance? And he's like, I want to eat your pussy. That's what they told him to say to her. And like, he do, he tells this whole story. This maybe this is maybe this, maybe this is, this is, is only in the long cut. Long cut, yeah. So he tells this story. In the story, he's hanging out with a bunch of his buddies at this club, and one of his guys doesn't speak English, but he wants to dance with this very pretty woman. And he's like, how do I say, how do I have this dance? And they all tell the guy that what the, the, the way to say that in English is, I want to eat your pussy. Oh so they gosh. convince him of this, and he finally goes up to the girl, and uh, he's like, I want to, he's like, you know, this halting Spanglish or whatever. He's like, I want to eat your pussy. And she's like, excuse me? And he like says it again. And he does it like a little bow, you know? Like he's, <laughs> he's being like a gentleman about it. And uh, and they're all cracking up. And the girl sees them laughing and kind of clocks the situation. Takes the guy out of the club to wherever. And like an hour goes by. And, it, and they come back. And the guy has clearly... Oh my God. Been around the world. <laughs> she, fuck, you know, she fucks his brains out. <laughs> All right, and then and then so uh, and then so Rainer is like, well, so I tried it with a different girl, <laughs> but her boyfriend beat the shit out of me. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, then that kind of ties into when they're like going over the plans for the the club they're opening up, and and he's like, well, I think we should keep the dance floor because girls are more into when a guy asks them to dance. That's the same scene. Yeah, I figure that was like hand in hand. Yeah. yeah. There's just more. Just more. And I mean, you, you lose that scene. And I'm just like, I don't want to lose that scene. That's just really funny. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, he tells this story about how Malkina fucked his car. They drive out onto a golf course <laughs> with this beautiful Lamborghini. And she really just funny. like hikes up her skirt and. It's it's just car. funny Rides how how, how both these characters Michael Fassbender and Javier Bardem are aware of how of how insane this is too. Like the movie isn't trying to pretend this isn't the craziest thing because he keeps on going like, 
he, he's like, she slides off her knickers and says, I'm going to fuck your car. And he goes, what? Your, yeah. your what? She says, your I'm car? going to fuck. And he's like, what? And she's like, I know. It's f- I Look, I know. If there's one thing Fassbender needs in this movie, it's clarification yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. And he's con- and he's telling the story. I think it's important that he's telling the story not to be like, "Can you, hey, brother, this is great. He's like, this scared the shit out of me. Yeah. This fuck. Uh, I'm telling. I'm trying to tell you a story about why I'm so afraid of this woman. No, no, not, like, not psych- like psychically for Rainier, this is Bowman going into the monolith. This yeah. is just like he finally encountered the one thing that was the most terrifying force on earth, and it's Malkina and her vagina. She had just recently had a Brazilian wax, and it was like one of those catfish things so sucking good. along the windshield. Yeah, he doesn't specifically call it a moray eel, but that's what he means. Uh, he says it's a bottom feeder. Yeah. yeah, like a bottom feeder, and he's like, it was too gynecological to be sexy. And you know, like, like uh, Bardem had to do like 50 takes to get the, just oh, be able to man. get too gynecological. Yeah, to but be you sexy. also you also can imagine Javier Bardem and Michael Fassbender and Ridley Scott on the set that day shooting that scene, going like, I can't believe we get to fucking do this shit. <laughs> <laughs> They're paying us for this? <laughs> it's pretty weird. It's pretty good shit. He, he, he ends it with saying, if you see a thing like that, it changes you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so serious. It's very but it's serious. silly too. I mean, uh, that's that's the that's one of the fun weird dualities of this movie. So meanwhile, while all this is happening, there you know he's gonna he's gone he's gone all in on the drug dealer. So he's gonna he's gonna put up a bunch of money to buy all this coke, and then he knows what the street value is when they resell it. All that stuff. So the truck is on the way. Yep. And it's got a tracker in it. But then uh, there's there's this kid following the following the truck. Mm-hmm. And he's on a very speedy rocket motorcycle. Green Hornet. The Green Hornet, yes. And then there are these other guys following him. They're Cameron Diaz's men. They're clearly Cameron Diaz's men because they keep calling Cameron Diaz. And she's like, don't worry, I know what's going on. Just do what I told you. Yeah, just stick with him. Yeah, just stick with him. Now, there's a scene missing in the short version where he stops there in, like, you know, in some border town. And the Green Hornet stops at this, like, little service stop. It's like it's not even really like a gas station or anything. It's like a rest. It's like a makeshift rest stop on the side of the road. Somebody's like grilling something, you know, whatever. And he's got a thing of dog food. Oh yes. And uh, and there's this lady waiting in line, and she's like, "Oh, we got a dog. What kind of dog do you have?" And he's like, "No, this is for me." <laughs> and she's like, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's like a diet. I eat it." And she's like, oh, "Why? Uh, Why do you eat it?" He's like, "Oh uh, man." It's like a diet. I, you want to lose weight? I lost like 60 pounds. Wound up in the hospital, though. <laughs> Jesus fucking But if you really want to lose weight, like, this shit is the magic bullet. <laughs> and it's just like another weird digression, but it also is like completely absurd, funny, thematically intact scene yeah. along with the rest of the movie of like, don't meddle. Yeah, you know, like don't you don't understand what you're getting into. Don't get involved. Yeah, like like do, stop asking questions. Yeah, just in general. Um, but anyway, this kid turns out is the son of another one of Michael Fassbender's clients, Rosie Perez. Rosie Perez killing, killing it. it. One one oh, small yeah. scene, and he's like a public defender for her. Yeah. So they really don't have much of a relationship, but. The kid likes to go fast on his bike, gets pulled over speeding. He was going 206. 206. 206 miles an hour. That's too fast. Fazbender was like, that's 206. That's not a speed. That's a time. That's, uh, yeah. He's like, that's just a number. That's not a speed. Yeah. I like that part. Um, and Rosie Perez basically cajoles him into bailing him out of prison. It's a only huge, 300 bucks. Which turned out to be a gigantic mistake. But There's he has no way huge. of knowing that. There's a fantastic part at the end of this scene uh, where. Like, what do you want me to do? Give you a blowjob? 
Yes, and then he goes. Yes, and then he goes because she, she's gonna, she's going to owe him four hundred dollars for getting him for yeah, paying yeah. his bail. And he goes, "You'd still owe me three eighty because yeah. he thinks that they have like a thing. They're razzing yeah. each other. But yeah. you can tell from her expression that it's like, don't no, fucking I don't say like that you. shit to me, yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. I'm like a cartel person. And also, she knows that four hundred is nothing for this guy. Yeah, yeah this know? isn't a fucking game. And what it's do you her think son. This is? Yeah, she's very good in this. Like, yeah. she's very good in not in not seeming too ostentatiously intimidating, but like having this undercurrent of like, mm-hmm. this is not a woman to fuck with. Well, there's dude. a whole conversation they have too, where he's like, "I'm gonna buy you a suit and maybe yeah. a hat." She's like, "You want me to wear a hat? You want me to wear a hat?" <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah. Um. Anyway, meanwhile, uh, one of the one of the many surprise cameos in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so the kid gets out of jail. He's on his way. The truck is still. He's following the truck. The guys are following him, and then the guys that are following him set up this elaborate booby trap where they put a steel wire across the road, dude. Park their car and the facing him in oncoming traffic, like on the side of the road. And then as soon as he comes whipping around the corner 206. at 206 miles an hour. They hit the lights on the top of their truck to make him look up, and <laughs> his head comes right off, clean off. This guy's called the Wire Man. Yep, <laughs> and it's so scary. You guys, it's so scary. As soon as he started setting it up, I was like, I was stoked. I love shit like this. Obviously, this like, reminds me of, uh, of. I was like, oh, we're getting a little. Saw well, there's in also this. this. Like, we're getting like some weird like. That, yeah, that whole scene in where they're wordlessly it. setting up the trap is like and a scene goes, out of a Breaking Ding. Bad episode. Yeah, I was he, gonna say Better Call Saul, something that uh, Mike the Mechanic would be doing, and you're like, what's he doing? Oh, yeah, totally. Something, yeah. Gri- something scary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's really funny. And then it turns out that the kid's got the homing device for the drug truck mm-hmm. in his helmet. Mm-hmm. And they have now the the bad guys, the bad guys, Malkina's people have stolen the tracker. <laughs> the bad guys. Uh, so this is the, the, this Rosie Perez meeting scene, and then this kid getting his head cut off. This is this seals Michael Fassbender's fate. This yes. is what this is how he. Because the very next thing that happens to Michael Fassbender is he gets a call from Brad Pitt, and Brad Pitt is like, "The truck is gone." <laughs> yeah, we don't know where the truck is, and and he's like, "What should I do?" And Car- Brad Pitt's like, "I don't know." The cartel Run. knows that you paid that you paid four hundred dollars to get this kid this out kid of out of jail. jail. So, we, so they they they, they want to know what your connection to him is, and he's like, "Here's my connection to this kid. I don't know him. It was a favor for another client. Oh, it was a favor for one of your clients." <laughs> More to the yeah. point. More to the point. They, they guess they want to know, but more to the point, they don't care. They don't care. It's yeah. like that's what he said. It's already finished. He's like, "What should I do?" He's like, "You need to get." I'm out. I'm leaving. <laughs> it's done. I don't yeah. know what you want to do. He's like, "This is." He's like, "How bad is it?" It's really bad. It's really bad. Everything Which is the thing he asks a few different times in this. How bad is it? How bad is it? Once yeah. you once you linked associated your fate with this doom cartel, like no matter what happens, the, the, your fate was out of your hands. Yeah, it could have gone smoothly. It could have not. But either way, like this happened, and now it's done. And the movie pretty and much starts rocketing to the finish line, even though there's still like 90 minutes <laughs> left in it. Uh, at this yeah. point, for for me, if you watch the long version, because uh, far from over. Yeah, it's far from over. But like, then you have the scene where Westray is like, "Do you know what a snuff movie is?" Oh, and he God. explains what snuff movies are, which is, you know, that's going to come up later. Mm-hmm. They're like, there's Chekhov's Bolito, there's Chekhov's snuff DVD. Yeah. Um, there's all kinds of good stuff. Uh, Rainier, Rainier is completely like passionlessly losing his mind at this point. Like the ultimate consumer. He doesn't seem to recognize much like the. I mean, he seems to know that they're gonna die, but he's like he feels 
insulated from it somehow. Yeah. Whereas Michael Fassbender is like, just like, will somebody please tell me how I'm going to get out of this? Because this yeah, is his first time way. dabbling in all this at shit. All and, yeah. and Javier Bardem's been doing this and and living this lavish lifestyle where nothing can touch him for so long yeah. that he he might just think this is another one of those things. And Maltina's just, just sort of over. wandering around in the background and everybody's like, what's up with her? Just like on the, her phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and like <laughs> everybody, Michael Fassbender keeps going like, so tell me how I'm going to get out of this. And they're like, you aren't. You can't. They just keep telling him like they're going to kill you and yeah. he's like well wait what if what if this no no he's a lawyer i mean he's used to being able there's always like some way to talk yourself out of something some sort of deal that can be made and it's like no yeah. no no. these are cartels they're supernaturally evil and yes. all powerful they're basically gods they're malevolent gods here on earth who get you high there's another great scene and i don't know the extent of what's in the theatrical cut of this scene but there where we see dean norris and john leguizamo do they make an appearance yep. <laughs> they sure do. yeah dude john leguizamo's just in this just as a random guy leguizamo's <laughs> doing a cuban accent he's doing fun. something amazing here and like dean norris his is name's like Rand- i think he's credited as a uh, coverall randy because mm-hmm. okay. he's wearing coveralls and his, <laughs> yeah. his things as randy on it uh, and uh and dean norris is like some other drug dude you know, yeah, like he's just maybe sort of like, show me your operation. Agent, maybe Pro- I don't I think know. So, yeah, but they're like basically showing him how they smuggle the drugs in the like in the sewage uh, containers that and sewage trucks because nobody looks in those. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, he's like, well, it's this many cans for drugs. And Dean Norris is like, well, what's with that last can? He's like, oh, that's just a passenger. <laughs> and then he explains he explains that that's what they do with dead bodies. They put him in these oil drums and just like drive him around forever. And he, like he, he keeps being of. like, "Well, where does he go?" And, and like, he's like, "I don't know." Into another truck, and then he's just he's just riding around. Yeah. And he's like, "Well, where does he end up?" He's just riding around, like he's just there. They well, think it's funny. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> it's it, a joke. It's annoying it's, to me, but it's a. Joke. It's it's really funny too because he's like, "Well, can I see?" And John Leguizamo's <laughs> like, "He wants to see it." Okay, come on, show him. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then they open him up, and it's all disgusting and smelly. And then they close it again. And yeah, he's, it's like, "What were you?" And the guy's like, "Where's see? he going?" And he's and they're like, "Well, he's not going anywhere. He's just going somewhere else." <laughs> Very, very We're funny. Weird, just man. like a hilarious digression. And Leguizamo is just like, this is just his biz, man. Yeah. I mean, he's very inured to it. The, 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 the cosmic, like, absurdity and implacability of the whole thing. It's like, it's like the way that God is unfair to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, Absolutely. It's just unbelievably funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's McCarthy's whole shit, man. Yeah. Um, you know, there's nothing. Everybody tell from the second he starts on this path, everyone, literally every character, other than poor Penelope Cruz, <laughs> who's sake. who's utterly a victim. Absolutely. Yeah, she did nothing wrong. Uh, it's like it, it is utterly inevitable, counselor, that they will kill you. And he's like, well, what about the money? They're like, they don't care about the money. Well, what if I knew where the drugs were? They wouldn't care about that either. Like, if there's even the slightest chance that you had anything to do with this, they have to kill you. They have to. They're not taking any chances. They make and they a lot have of money. to do it in the worst possible way. Oh, for sure, because that's the way it dissuades other people. And so finally, Michael Fassbender, like, gets a hold of a lawyer friend of his who's connected to the cartel. Oh, man. And he's like, let me talk to, can I talk to the boss, basically? And the guy's like, I will see if they will talk to you. <laughs> and he comes back. He's like, okay, they'll, he'll talk to you, but I'm not making any promises. It'll be a yes or a no. And he's got this shit-eating grin on his face the whole time there where you know the answer is no. We'll see what he says. And then he has this, and and by this point, Penelope Cruz has been abducted by the bad guys. 
Yeah, in Boise. In Boise, in because Boise. that's where he tells her to run and meet him in a hotel in Boise. So they snatch her up. Not enough movies with Boise featured in them in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> they snatch her up. We never see her again, FYI. Mm. And uh, But then he finally gets a phone it's call. In it's actually really brutal. They, they punch her in the face, throw her in yeah. the car, and you're like, uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's really scary, too, because she's just walking in the parking the parking garage. And in Boise. A guy's yeah. just, like, behind her. And just it's, snatches it's her a up. Scar- it's a scary feeling when you think, maybe this guy's following me, or maybe she's just walking my way, or whatever like that. And, like, yeah. you can tell she's kind of like... She doesn't realize it till the last second, and she's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and it goes from ste- no like chance. stealth stalking to like outright full-on brutal violence yeah. very quick. And yeah. you're like, my, this is not, things are not going to go well no, for no. anybody here. Um, does does Bardem get it before we get the Hefe the Hefe scene? Uh, yes, that's actually true. Yeah, Javier Bardem gets killed by these just these kids. I love this scene. And they steal all his shit. Well, no, he gets it like in a car chase at yep. first. Oh, yeah, he, he has and the they, cheetahs in the back, too. Yep. But it's shot in this area that you don't see in, enough in movies, This like in the outskirts of Texas, where it's just like crisscrossing roads, we, high weeds in between, and then over the top you, you'll see like a Home Depot, like the roof of a Home Depot, yeah. just like this... Extremely predominant area in any kind of like, especially in the West. Yeah. But you never see certainly like a car chase taking place, and I, I really like that. And that ends with him him like getting smashed. He gets shot in the head. He gets shot in the head, and and then they're like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Like it was an accident that they shot him in the head. Yeah. Classic. They were supposed to bring him in, but oh well. And the cheetahs get loose. <laughs> they take his. There's so this is really. Cheetahs. This is really funny. These kids. These kids are taking. No, one his, of them dies. One of them dies. One of them dies. I don't know yeah, how she, she the other one's that. okay. Yeah. How did she know? Anyways, they uh, probably have shockers. They're cheetahs. <laughs> she knew it. She, huh? she helped had them kill him. But she was following the cheetahs. We never see the, I'm other, sure the one th- cheetah I'm sure die. the cheetahs have trackers because they're uh, fucking cheetahs. And right. they have jewelry on them. But even if they don't, I mean, she it gets back to her. Everything gets back to her. She knows everything. She's really plugged in. But this is a great scene where the kids are like taking Javier Bardem's like shoes and watches and. They certainly don't expect two cheetahs to come out of this. Yeah, car. yeah. Like, oh my god! It's super funny. And one of the cheetahs goes and like purrs and like rubs her head on I his love dead the body. Me too. Yeah. Those cheetahs rule. Uh, yeah. He so Michael Fassbender gets a phone call in through to Ruben Blades. Blood is my favorite part in the whole movie, which is very long in the in the long cut, but it turns it turns very philosophical. Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna go ha- for I'm it. not gonna have all of it or anything like that. the The whole time, the guy is basically trying to. I suppose to his credit in some, because Ruben Blades is being very gentle with him while at the same time telling him in no, in no uncertain terms his wife is going to be raped and murdered and tortured and then he's going to be killed and there's nothing he can do about it. But he's trying to like, make him reconcile his his mind with like the concept of death or something. Yes. But this is the kind of stuff that he says. And this is like one fiftieth of it because it goes on and on. I would urge you to see the truth of the situation you were in, Counselor. That is my advice. Huh? It's not for me to tell you what you should have done or not done. The world in which you seek to undo the mistakes you made is different from the world where the mistakes were made. (laughs) You are now at the crossing, and you want to choose, but there is no choosing. There is only accepting. And then he starts mm-hmm. to talk about the words of the poet Machado about how grief oh, transcends man, that value. Whole, whole thing is amazing. And yet you cannot buy anything with grief because grief is worthless. And then my favorite line in the whole thing: "The extinction of all reality is a concept no resignation <laughs> can encompass." That is a thing Wait, a cartel boss it gets, says. To it him. gets better though because I wrote this part down. He okay. says, "He says the extinction of all reality is a concept no resignation can encompass." And then. All the grand designs and all the grand plans will finally be exposed and revealed for what they are. And now, Counselor, I have to go because I have to make some other calls. If I have time, 
I think I'll take a small nap. I love that. Um, he's in his opulent like uh, mansion. Oh he's God. playing pool and stuff the whole time. This he's in his small nap era. Is loaded with great dialogue. <laughs> I'm also in my small nap era. Uh huh. Like big shit will go down. I'll just be like, you know, if I have time, I'm gonna take a small, small nap. nap. It's a good era. So good. Oh, uh, let's see. What other good ones? I, there's so many good lines in here. Uh, well, Westray has this amazing joke line where where he's like confronting Michael Fassbender and he's like, "Tell me what's going on," and and he's like, "I don't have anything to do with it." He's like, "I'm perfectly willing to believe you had nothing to do with this, but I'm not the party you have to convince." Convince of what, for Christ's sake? He says, and Westray is like, "That this is some sort of coincidence, because they don't really believe in coincidences. They've heard of them, they've just never seen one." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Westray, Brad Pitt gets to say all kinds of like classic. They're the point, counselor, is that you may think that there are things that these yeah, people are simply incapable favorites. of. There are not. There are not. I don't know what you should do, but at this point, it's out of your hands. Damn. If you think you, you already said this, right? If you think you can live in this world and be no part of it, all I can say is you're wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'm off to go get my head chopped off yep. by a <laughs> ma- mystical device that probably doesn't exist. In because the real world. I again, he's so he's on the run. Westray's on the run. Yeah. And he uh, is going to into a fancy hotel somewhere, and he runs into Natalie Dormer. Natalie Dormer, and immediately like hits on her because we know that his weakness is women. He some earlier in the movie, he's like, "I should get out. I know what I'm doing." And Michael Fassbender's like, "Well, what's keeping you in?" He's like, "I like women too much." He's like, "I'd go. I could be a monk. I could live in a yeah. in a monastery. No problem, except for the women." Yeah. So he sees Natalie Dormer immediately hits on her, and then before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> he steps out into the street. The, this guy on a motorcycle drives uh, by and snatches his briefcase, which has basically the encryption keys to the money transfer. Well, first he sees some guy jogging. He's yes. really close to him, and he's like, oh, I don't this know about direction. that. And then yeah. another guy jogs while the guy on the motorbike is going the separate way from either angle. Yes. And then and then he gets the bolito on him, and the guy takes his he gets bolito, baby. And he's just like he's screaming. He's like, ah, oh, goddamn it, no, God, he, fuck you, fuck you. At one point, at one point, he laughs. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And yeah. then it, it goes through his fingers. It chops his fingers off. People are watching in the background. Yeah, people are just like because they're like, what is it? What's, is he choking? Like, what yeah. is? I don't think that maybe some of those extras were quite told exactly the extremity of the thing they were supposed to be looking at. Because there's one old dude who's just kind of going like, Ooh. "It's like this is the most. This is a guy getting his head chopped off by a mist, like a weird when device." It, when it finally blood pops his artery, it looks like the worst episode of Doctor Pimple Popper you ever saw. Ugh, it's, it's like so much, it's so much blood, and it just goes so oh, funny, man. endlessly funny. It to goes me. on and on. You said it's even longer in the trailer. It's like a little bit longer. It's so and long. like, there's it's more blood. It's extremely fucked up. I'll be posting it. Up. <laughs> Don't worry yeah. about that. It's really funny. And uh, then, like I said, like the, the the EMTs come and lift up his body, but his head just sort of falls off, and they just put it gingerly onto his body and zip <laughs> him up. Uh, so that shit's great. Michael Fassbender is now like living in some hovel in Mexico, and one day this little kid comes to the door and is like, I got a package for you, and sure enough, it's a DVD-R. Turns it over. <laughs> it's just hola, hola, <laughs> yeah. And, and he so, starts like dry heave, yeah, crying. He knows yeah, what it is. We all know what it Cut, is. And we it cuts from that to a shot of uh, Penelope Cruz's body getting dumped into a <laughs> landfill with her head rolling off. Unbelievable. And pretty, that's pretty much pretty the bleak. end of the story. <laughs> There's a scene where Cameron Diaz and her new like 
idiot hustle, uh, hustle that she's got wrapped up. The banker. It's a banker guy. and, and you I can, think and he's you, been in on it with her the whole time. But now she's about to sink her teeth into him, you can yes. tell. You can tell, because he's got that kind of like same feistbender, like, I'm not quite sure about how fucked up the situation I'm involved in is. Yeah. Like, it's going to be fine, right? She's like, oh, all right, we'll see how it goes for you, like that sort of thing. Oh, this is where we, where we get some like more fantastic uh dialogue she's talking about how why she likes cheetahs so much and imagine her saying this in a caribbean accent won't you but she's not unfortunately to see quarry killed with elegance it's just moving to me and then the guy goes sexual and he goes yes of course a thing like that is always sexual you can make, and she's talking about cheetahs, you can make no distinction between what they are and what they do, and what they do is kill. And then at one point, having talking about something, having, I don't know, she, this is just <laughs> another thing that she says, and she goes, and the slaughter to come is probably beyond our imagining. And it's one of the last things anybody says <laughs> I love movie. this, because no, one, no one's talking like this IRL. No. Uh, and I love of, it. Uh, I'm a big fan of the scene where Michael Fassbender is like basically at the end of his rope, and he's hanging out in this cafe in Mexico in the middle of the night, and the guy's like, I'm closing up. You know, you got to go. You can't, you can't uh, stay here. And he's like, you have no place to go. And he's like, uh, <laughs> the the, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm staying. I'm sorry, I stayed too late. And the guy's like, oh, there's no harm. And the counselor's like, no harm. That's a lovely thought, a magical thought. And he's about to leave. And the guy's like, uh, it's it's really dangerous out there in the street. I know. They hear somebody in the street. They shoot them. Then they turn on the light to see who is dead. Why do they do that? <laughs> uh, he's like, why do they do that? The cafe guys is to make a joke. To show that death doesn't care, that death has no meaning. The counselor goes, do you believe that? I love that. She just, just keeps going. This is absurd. Do you believe that? No, of course not. All my family is dead. I'm the one who has no meaning. It's like, Jesus Christ. Cormac, you got to stop. Don't ever stop. Cormac, <laughs> Cormac <laughs> rein it in, my man. Don't ever stop. And uh, and you mentioned that line where she's like, you know, the, the, tor- the slaughter that comes beyond our imagining. This movie ends with this amazing scene. Where she's like telling the banker that he's got to get out, you know, because she's basically gonna sink her hooks into him if he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's like, "Should we order?" And she goes, "Yes, we should order." I'm famished. I'm famished. And it just ends. Great. Jeez. She Directed wins. By <laughs> yeah. Well, she's got the cheetah spots. She is the. She's the apex. She's predator. a cheetah girl. The apex predator. The implacability of of nature. Yes. Or whatever the fuck. So good. A Greek god. I don't know. A brilliant, a brilliant movie. It's something else. Uh, I think we've read a lot of lines, so I don't know. I don't think, I think we go. There's not much left. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know if I have any extra lines. Besides when he said that she was sopping. (laughs) (laughs) We we covered it. You're sopping. (laughs) You're sopping, baby. Yeehaw. Hmm. Uh, Ratings? Okay. I'm going to give us four and a half Judds. My previous viewing of this was a four Judd experience. I was like over the moon for it this time. Even it gets better every time I see it. By this time next year, it'll be five Judds. I don't know. It's just a, an all timer. I, I I think it's going to go down in history as one of Ridley Scott's finest achievements. Amazing. I'm going to give it three and a half Douglases. There isn't a lot of nudity. There's a little bit here and there in like some party scenes and stuff, but nothing too big. No. Uh, but you know, there's the car fucking, there's the sexy talk, there's just the general misogyny and depositing of a woman's yonic power. Yeah. Let's say, just love a woman's as, yonic power as the most cosmic and implacable force of unknowable entropy <laughs> available to you. Pretty crazy shit. Um, 
And so it's just, it's not what I would call sleazy. I'm not even sure it's misogynistic, but it's something. <laughs> yeah. Cormac McCarthy is so fucking weird. It's hard to kind of yes. know whether to count it in the same stuff. And I'm going to leave the he better ones. a lot ones, of things. I'm going to leave the better ones for you guys and give this 10 out of 10 snuff DVDs. Uh, hola. Mm. Uh, I'm going to give it four. I, like again, I think I think in a lot of ways. I mean, this this is just a shamelessly unrestrained movie, like a uh, a writer's id completely come come untethered. Very to the point rarely of, does something of that level actually end up kind of good, though. Yeah, I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt that Ridley Scott makes it, and it yeah. looks fucking great. We know Ridley Scott shooting in the Southwest. Yeah, gorgeous is, movie. Is a thing too. to behold. Gorgeous video. But in it, I, I just think it's so fucking unique. And and I thought it the first time I watched it when when I didn't like it, mm. I still couldn't be like I hated that movie, even though I didn't like it at all. Because there's just something I've just never seen anything like that. And aside from how funny this movie it is, it really gets it gets your guts twisted up in the sort of like in it. Um, you get you get a bit of the feeling of that. There's nothing you can do. Yes. The the in, the the entirety of the world is grinding you down, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you kind of you feel that to a certain degree. It's, it's it's success. It's doing what it's trying to do. It's just what it's trying to do is very odd. I wish that if I like I I look at this movie and then I think of like The Departed, which yeah. is a really fun movie, and I wish that that movie had some of the like hallucinatory. Like freak outness of yeah. this. Pure anyway, weirdness. That's a totally neither here nor there. Anyway, continue, please. I'm sorry I interrupted uh, you. No worries. I'll give it two and a half Douglases. You don't see a lot, but I mean, the lady fucks a car in it. And, <laughs> and, and the way it's described is very graphic, uh, in a very literarily graphic, yeah. let's say. And uh, mm, I guess I got to give it 10 out of 10. Boleri's Bolitos. Bolitos that eventually apparently do cut his head off. Yes. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Okay. I'm okay. going to give it... Okay. I'm going to give it three and a half Judds. I really liked it this this time around. Um, I don't know why I only gave it one uh, star when I first watched it, but I really liked it this time. Uh, I liked all the like inescapable fatalism stuff and the the violence and the mythical feminine power stuff was pretty tight and the cheetahs were cool cameron diaz ruled uh brad pitt was a delight um and i'm gonna give it two and a half douglases for the car fucking and for the phrase sopping you're sopping it makes me want to throw up in my mouth and it's almost as bad as the word moist Ooh, Ooh, the word no sopping's worse i'm pretty sure um and then i'm gonna give it Oh, did we talk about the the line where uh, he says, "If your definition of a friend is someone who would die for you, then you don't have any friends." Yeah, good I love one. That one. Pretty good. Um. Anyways, then I'm gonna give it three out of three decapitated heads. Hell yeah! <laughs> All right. Yeah. There are three uh. decapitated heads in this movie. Mm -hmm. Good call. Yeah. Uh, all right, last and certainly least. <laughs> I don't know. Not least. I mean, I... Well, least. Actually, my least. I'm, I, pr I'm probably in a way least, although I enjoyed it a lot more than The Paperboy. Uh, I don't It's know. certainly more nothing I liked this one, too. I liked this one, too. Fuck Good. it. I don't know if I liked it. Congratulations. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, say that I liked 2016's it. 2016's The Accountant, directed by Gavin O'Connor, one of the most boring and stupid movies I've encountered <laughs> recently. Your son is a remarkable young man. He has highly advanced cognitive skills. He has more in common with Einstein or Mozart than he does with us. I'd like to work with your son. 
help him develop the skills he'll need to lead a full life. It's not gonna happen. The world is not a friendly place, and that's where he needs to learn to live. Get into financial consulting. My dad was an accountant. You know, he had the whole shtick. The dorky pocket protector. I have a pocket protector. That's a nice one. Do you like puzzles? Tell me what you see. It was taken three years ago by an undercover agent. It's the same person. He was spotted in Tehran, Tel Aviv, and Naples. This guy risks his life on cooking the books for some of the scariest people on the planet. Drug cartels, arms brokers, money launderers, assassins. Who survives this kind of clientele? Imagine the secrets this guy has. What are you doing here? Who are you? Uh, what's this movie about, guys? Ben's a hottie in this. Oh, come on. I think so. He's the naughty. <laughs> Ben's a naughty hottie in this. Who loves numbers and fighting. Okay, so he is, in this the movie, end. uh... A high-functioning autistic man who is also... That's the movie's own words. Uh, who is also the mob's premier accountant, right? Or no, did he just he's just an accountant for all, all manner he, of bad he's work, Yeah, people. he's working for himself, I think. But he yes. he basically unfucks up books so that people can get away with stealing a shit ton of money. He gets a large cut of that money that he donates to the, the neuroscience hospital that helped him when he was younger. Yes. And um, also he's uh, trained in martial arts and stuff. So he's so he's the world's greatest accountant and the world's most effective hitman. Yeah. So when he was younger, him and his brother, his mother his left. His brother Braxton. Yeah. His mother left his father and him and his brother because she couldn't. She couldn't deal with trying to, you know, make him okay, and you know, she just couldn't deal with being there. So, their dad was like, you know what, fuck it. If I can't help you guys emotionally, I'm gonna make you basically into killers. And so, which is weird. Which is weird, but you know what, parenting's probably hard. I don't have a kid. Sure. Don't know how it is. Um, and they train them in a certain type of martial art. Do you remember what it's called? Accounting. No, the other one. I don't remember. <laughs> it's a certain type of martial art like, that I guess people who watch this movie were like happy with, like people who are into this type of martial art, what's happy with its uh, representation, which like, sure, okay. And uh, now it's years and years later. Uh, his father is also dead because he jumped in front of a bullet or a stabbing or something. He died saving him when they crashed yes. their mom's funeral. Yes. And him and his brother are estranged. Ben Affleck is living. Uh, he has a camper that has all of his guns and all of his artwork. Super famous artwork. He's got a Jackson Pollock on the roof of his. He has Luke Skywalker's original lightsaber. Yes. A thing that you would have. Of course. Uh, he has like a Monet. He Yeah, he has a Pollock that's on his ceiling. A bunch of other cool stuff. So he's take he take he usually works for dangerous criminal organizations, but he's taken on a legit client this time, a robotics company, run by Gene Smart and John Lithgow. God, I love Gene Smart. Because one of their actuaries or accountants or whomever, Anna Kendrick, mm -hmm. has discovered some discrepancies. She's not quite sure to the extent of the discrepancies, mm -hmm. but they hired Ben Affleck, who. Was told that they were told he was the best of the best. Right. He's oper. Oh yeah, he's operating out of a little office called like ZZZ Accounting. Yes. Which he's also kind of running money, laundering money through all the ad adjoining businesses in the little strip mall area. Mm -hmm. 
So he gets hired by the robotics company because they know he's the best of the best and they need to come up with why there's 69 million or 67 million (laughs) million missing. Yeah, and the boss of the robotics place is John Lithgow, go-go himself. And Gene Smart. And Gene Smart. (laughs) And And uh, Seattle native Gene Smart. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's socially awkward. He's socially awkward. He They're a brother also, and sister team. Yeah. Is that right? Gene Smart and John Lithgow? In the movie. I didn't know that. Yeah, in the movie they're I supposed to be brother and sister, yeah. Um, ben yeah. Affleck also spends his time practicing shooting on the property of his other clients, these two just like really nice people that mm-hmm. he also helped with their books. One of his like the five clients he takes on a year. Yeah. He hel- this he is where helped... we get to see him, where we see him being really good at being an accountant. Right. And right. a sniper and stuff he like helped that. He helped them yeah. and they were like, what can we do to repay you? Like, uh, we have a lot of property. Do you like shooting guns? And he's like, fuck, I love shooting guns. It's like my favorite thing I've ever done. And <laughs> he goes out and he's like, they were kind of watching him. And the guy's like, oh, he's a mile away from those uh, cantaloupes cantaloupes uh, that he draws little faces on. He, there's no <laughs> way he's going to shoot him. And he's a, he's just amazing. He's like the best shooter you've ever seen. Expert <laughs> marksman, too. Yes. He does this for a living. So meanwhile... He loves guns and numbers. There's J.K. Simmons, who's a treasury agent. And he's got an analyst who works for him who like has a juvenile record or something. And like, oh man, this was really funny. He's gonna, he's gonna like put her in the pokey if she doesn't help him. Uh, uh, and he like wants her to track down. He knows of the, he knows of the mysterious super accountant, and he wants her to help him track him down. His agent Medina. I don't know. I don't know the actor's name, and I don't know why this any of this needs to be happening in this movie. This is a plot line that has end, nothing to do with the rest of the movie. She doesn't end up really doing all that much except nope. being on a computer. But it's really funny because the lady playing Agent Medina is this gorgeous lady, yes. right? Just you know, an actress. I'm sure she's fine, but this is this gorgeous model-looking actress lady, and she's just like a regular interview. And then at a certain point, he goes like, "You're lying to me. You had this career. Uh, you were like a scumbag at one point, and attempted you murder, attempted murder." And then he pulls up on his computer a picture of her from her youth. I think she's supposed to be 18 mm-hmm. in this picture, but instead of doing like a thing where they found like an old picture of her, like and like tweaking it, they just like. It just looks like her, but like they must her hair up and put dirt on her face. A yeah, bit. yeah. <laughs> she just, ju- she mu- just looks like less makeup and like messy <laughs> she hair. Looks like she, she still looks like a model. Looks she exactly literally, she same. still looks like some like a Polaroid of a model at a photo shoot. Like she should have the same yeah. shirt in this picture as she does in this scene. Like they just did the, sh- the shots in the same day. Yeah, I thought it was really funny. Um, <laughs> but like this is so it's like a big long scene and stuff, and you're like, here we go, and it's like, no, not really. There's a lot of little parts of the movie like this. Yeah. You're like, why is, He's why is it like, being, story being told this you way? You need to find this accountant guy, and uh, then you can actually, you can be a, an agent, a special agent. Uh-huh. If you don't find this accountant guy, then <laughs> the whole other opposite side of the spectrum is you'll go back to jail or yeah. something? I don't, know why he's, I don't know why he needs to recruit her this because way. Because he's re- he's retiring soon. Yeah. And he but needs someone he to, to carry on his, and I don't know why he's being so like ultimatum-y about it. Yeah. But, uh, She's, she wants the job. <laughs> Why does he yeah. have to like bully her? I was like, wait, she was interviewing for him. Why all of a sudden? Like, she, <laughs> she wants the job. JK's, JK's not taking any chances. I guess not. He needs to make sure that, that this is important. Well, JK is a terrible is at his job, we come to find out, but a good father. This is the information that we acquire <laughs> right. at a certain point in this movie. So now, uh, 
he 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 discovers that they've somebody's embezzled like sixty some odd million dollars. He tells Gene Smart about that. He discovers that. this because he spends all night going through sixty two different files that would have taken Anna Kendrick like three years. Yeah, and he, he does, does it all, all in one night. He writes on sharpies on all the windows in this office. <laughs> oh yeah, he like he, he like puts down all his little gyre race markers or whatever, and then he like. All over the walls. It's, it's like I said, it's his Goodwill hunting moment. This is yeah. supposed to be a cool, fun, exciting scene, too, and it's just like, whatever. I don't uh, he I circles all the threes, too. Like I think when they try uh, to make this stuff exciting, it's so funny to me. Like Obviously, you do the thing on the window. For some reason, we decided long ago that that's how you do it, is like the writing on the window. It's beautiful mind time for this Be- movie. Beautiful mind for sure, yeah. but then they're playing the kind of like exciting music, yeah, yeah. and then you hear like Ben Affleck's whispers inside his own head, but it's just numbers. It's like, eight, three, seven, four, 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 five, seven, three, eight, six, four, and you're like, it's not, it's not making it exciting. I know the music is telling me that this is exciting. And the only That's time it. he's got it, <laughs> yes, like exactly. we don't fucking oh know. Oh my god, we're he's sitting, we're case. sitting here like, all oh, right, like what did the, what did they want the audience to do? Be like, wait, did you see that? Yeah, I think he's got yeah, it now. Leo he's, pointing <laughs> meme. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh shit, he's adding things together and but possibly dividing it's, them. Instead, it's the meme of the confused-looking lady with the blonde hair and all of the numbers. In front <laughs> yeah, of her right. Face. And then him and, and Anna Kendrick, when like when he figures the whole thing out, they have a whole scene where they both bond over math. Oh my god, Anna Kendrick, you guys. She there is a scene this. where he's like going to eat lunch. He she asks him if she wants to have lunch, and he's like, uh, "I brought my own lunch." No. And then there's a scene where he's sitting outside, and she sees him, and then she starts talking to him, and then she moves over and sits with him. And I don't know if I was just in a bad mood or something when I saw this. I was like just outraged, like because I feel like I feel like <laughs> at least me, we've all been in this situation at least me where we've been like all right i'm just gonna like eat my lunch i'm gonna like browse like instagram or whatever i'm gonna like listen to my podcast and someone's just like pushing their small talk on you and then feels like they can come and just like eat their lunch or like sit next to you and you're just like dude can i just like have a moment like dude just crunched like literally millions of numbers like he needs we a heard, second and we heard the whole thing he needs a second and anna kendra's like oh can i sit next to you like have you heard the cup song and like all this stuff and it, oh have you seen God. two girls one cup it's so it's just like girl she's really bad a, in this anyway give him a second he's she's just grading and i like her in some things a lot of things she bothers me but this is just uh, i did not like her she's the size of a hummel figurine too like she's uh, very tiny i think it's she's like one of those make actors. a joke about her size yeah, later they're it's like, one of those, like the, 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 movies, box. the movie's yeah. like got to acknowledge it somebody's gonna she's so small and there's like one part where she's sleeping on Ben Affleck's couch, and it looks like it's one of those huge couches <laughs> yeah. from like Universal Studios or something. This was in a movie about a, about a shrinking man. Yeah, right. And you're like, that's just a regular size couch. <laughs> uh, uh, weird. Okay, so next thing that happens is that the CEO of the robotics company, not not GoGo or Gene Smart, but like the actual guy in charge. Okay. He's the one who's been doing the embezzling, it looks like. And then there's a scene where a hitman, John Bernthal, mm-hmm. comes the to... The Punisher. Yes, the Punisher, and, and basically makes him overdose on his insulin and kills him. Yes. He says uh, some weird things while he's there, too. Well, yeah, because as you no doubt knew, the second this guy showed up in the movie as a hitman, you were like, well, he's the brother. Yeah, you know, I mean, like they try to make a twist out of it, but they don't do a very There's good job. Um, you guys, just, 
I don't know. He was the brother. Oh, come on. <laughs> well, I think, I, think, I think that in this case, the, the, the kind of ramshackle way that they lay out the plot might benefit this twist a little bit more because you're, sure. you're constantly going like, wait, why, are this, why is this story being told to me this way? So you wouldn't, you're not, you're not being served the story correctly. So, but at the same time, they're constantly showing these flashbacks. There is a brother. We know that. Yeah. There's nobody else, and you know, and they wouldn't sh- keep lingering on these shots of the brother if they weren't. The brother wasn't going to come up. Well, There's nobody worked, else who it could. It be. worked on me, you guys. Mm. I forgot about the brother, and actually, it was spoiled for me because I went to the Wikipedia page because I was confused about something else, and then <laughs> yeah. it, it, they no said surprise. something, and I was like, oh, oh, it's the brother. So the yeah. brother is uh, the guy from Walking Dead. Right. Yeah. Uh, yes, John. He's, he's also what turned up. I've never been a huge fan of his, but he's turned oh, up he's on a on couple episodes of The Bear recently. He's, where uh, like, he's in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, he's Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, The Punisher, and uh, he, t- he this guy he fucking works a lot. <laughs> he, uh, he does okay. And then also it turns out that um, like that the, they're gonna try to kill Anna Kendrick. So. So she knows. She knows now. Even though it's like you don't really have. I mean, I guess she is the kind of person. Well, they come after. She's the kind of annoying person that would bring it to the top. They come after Ben Affleck, and he's like, "I've got to protect her." Yeah. And so, like, he's kind of taking her. He takes her to his like storage unit where he's got his like Airstream trailer and all of his glitzy. Did you guys talk about his his robot voice secretary? Oh yeah. He's got a robot voice. Emily Mortimer. (laughs) Is it not? I don't know. Yeah, no, He's got a, well, there's, we find out who it is at the end because it's a mystery, but he talks to her over the phone and it, she basically does his admin or something. But no, she no, talks in a, she talks in a robot, an English robot voice. And she and at this point, he's like, I've got to go save this girl because we, we bonded over math or whatever. And she's like, oh, I don't think you should do this. You've I known her for one hour. You should do this, mate. Or whatever. But, he's, but she like. <laughs> you were slowly turning into Michael Caine <laughs> there for a sec. Look here, Bruce. I don't think you should do this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but, she, but she's basically but she's like a but she's a robot voice and yeah. she's English and, and she also and like calls she also that same robot lady calls J.K. Yes, Simmons because to it give turns tips. out it turns out that he's actually not investigating Ben Affleck. He is in in sort of in cahoots with him. Ben Affleck gives him information that he uses to bust other bad guys through the robot voice through the robot voice. But he and does kind of want to still know who he is. He wants to know who he is, but he also needs, he's grooming uh, the new girl to take over his role and be his be Ben Affleck's contact. Contact. So that the legacy can can continue on, I guess. Oh my God, Lily, <laughs> Lily is so cute right now, She you is guys. dead asleep, babe. It never It never makes any sense because they're kind of, like, he's almost a bit of a Dexter-y kind mm-hmm. of guy because every time that you find out that, because he's, he's the hero of the movie, but he's a hit, paid hitman. But somehow, all of the contacts that he take out are like, bad guys. He's killing yeah. bad guys. He kills terrorists also, and cartel bosses. Like Matt whatever. mentioned earlier, this is not, this is not a very uh, PC portrayal of those with autism, so... No, it's basically like if you're autistic, you have superpowers. Yeah, yeah, it's like X Men. Also, you can always tell, and in in this this happened in the last movie, I think, which is was, was the last movie that features the autistic kid. Mercury Rising. Mercury Rising, like they like they put in the the puzzle pieces, uh-huh. and that's the, and that is used by people. The autistic community does not like this. Yeah. But the but it was used for some campaigns to kind of like promote. Uh, autism awareness oh, yeah, he or wants something, to finish it. and it's like because uh, the autism people that we we need, we need to solve this puzzle, and autistic people are like, we're not fucking puzzles. We yeah. know exactly who yeah. we are, you know, like yeah, and that's uh, the the running theme throughout is that when you know it flashback to him having a freak out because he couldn't finish it, and so that's like why he he must like car- carry through this like mystery or whatever about the missing money. Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Boring. But man, 
Uh, okay, so the rubber. Functionally, nothing has happened in this movie. There's a brief action sequence where they try to kill Ben Affleck, and he whisks away with Anna Kendrick. He's a good fighter. I like his Winnebago. Sure, that's same. Neat. I like all his, his cool. Stream. I like all his cool, expensive like his historical art pieces. It's just and, another like, thing. Shit. Another thing to just add on the pile of this movie is that he's like like he's got a Pollock. Oh, at one point. At one point, um, oh yeah, they're after the mob is also after him because he killed little Tony. Did we talk about this yet? Was I zoning out? No. He killed little Tony. Um, I don't. All I know is there's a big Tony. All a I know Tony. is he kicked little Tony in the head and that killed him. <laughs> and I think that's so fucking cool. <laughs> One kick uh, to the dome, baby, and little Tony was dead. Big is Tony. Big and little Tony Bosano. Yeah, and yeah. He so that like well, he, he kills somehow he's a contract killer, but well, somehow that, all he kills is mob bosses and uh, yeah. Well, evil I mean people. that's why John Bernthal's after him because he's the he's the hitman. He's working for the mob. Yeah. So he's trying to track down who who he knows is his brother. That's yeah, why they he knows him it. to do that. Uh, yeah, that's right. So that's where that is. Anyway, so uh, so like because the the toy company doesn't have anything to do with like any uh like. Underworld criminal stuff. The it's, robotics company. Yeah, it, aren't they for like robot prosthetics and stuff? I don't they think do they're toys. All kinds of stuff. W- what a robots. robotics company. That, but I'm saying though that company doesn't have. It's not like they're a front for the mob or anything. They're just the the guy was there were there is embezzlement, but that's all. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's a robotics toy company that is a front for the mob in, in the movie sneakers, of course. Yes. This isn't as good as that. No. Also, say. Ben Affleck, in addition to his expensive comics and uh, paintings, he just has a drawer full of gold coins. <laughs> <laughs> Those are his John Wick coins. Yeah. His, he's got a lightsaber. Yeah, yeah he, has, he has the Spider-Man. original like, lightsaber. Sometimes they'll dot it with details like that where you're like, yeah. Yeah, yes, he has a bunch of like super old uh, action comics that are oh, yeah. uh, worth millions of dollars or whatever. At one point, he has a t-shirt, an Evil Knievel t-shirt on. At one point, Anna Kendrick has a Disco Sucks t-shirt on. Cool. Hmm. Weird. Anyway, weird movie. Uh, yes. So, uh, so he takes her to his uh, Gulf Stream, and then they're kind of on the run. He's got to he's got to settle. He's got to settle with these people so they don't kill Anna Kendrick, who he I, do, I doesn't really have a romance with. He just almost. likes her. They have a connection. They have a connection over it. math. Well, there's a moment where it looks like he she might try to kiss him, and then and he's like, no, 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 who actually wrote Alice in Wonderland. You know how she knows that he has autism? It's because she Google imaged Lewis Carroll and he's never looking at the camera. <laughs> Unbelievable that's, bullshit. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Unbelievable That was bullshit. very cringy. This is 2016. It's not that long ago. Unbelievable. My God. <laughs> Even if it weren't cringy, it's just like, come the fuck on. That's She's dumb. like, wait a minute. All these illustrations, too, of, of Lewis Carroll. He's avoiding eye contact. And she was like, what... A- yeah, there's one point where she was literally like, what do autistic people look like? Are there any physical characteristics? And he's like, well, no, it's like, you know. Can you different- get autism from sitting on the same toilet as Yeah, that? yeah, that's like the vibe she was putting off. And it was just like, oh, what the hell, lady? There's one part, there's one part get of this. Get the hook on that whole plot. Yeah. Like it has nothing, you could extract it from this movie, it wouldn't change the movie one bit. Except Easily. to make it like 30 minutes shorter, right, which right, I would right, like. Right. It's a lot. It's like it's, 15 this minutes of this 210. shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's fucking crazy. But Damn it, this movie was that long, wasn't it? I fell asleep in the middle. 
There's one part that's kind of I was effective. so mad when I woke up, too. I was like, fuck, Still. I have to rewind this and just finish it? <laughs> you had to go back. You have to. <laughs> but there's a part that it, where the movie, is like, parts where it's kind of, where you're like, I guess this is probably the sort of thing that they were trying to do. And there's one where that, that fight scene at the farm, where he's like, the, the people that are after him somehow find out about the people who own the farm where he, where he shoots on. And he's got to go save them. And this is like a fine, a perfectly okay action scene where he's kind of like cromulent. Yeah, they're driving around. He, they've got they're holding the one of the farmers hostage in a car while they're like driving the car around. And Ben Affleck's like punch is like jumps on the car and is like punches through the window. Yeah, like classic action stuff. And then it ends. They, they they slam on the brakes. They go flipping over. And this is pretty funny because he like he he does all of his fighting with his belt, like Pootie Tang. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's just like whipping my, him with the belt. My boyfriend made the same reference. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, and then there to. was like a whoops. Like the belt has a very, very comical noise. And, and, and the well. guy, and the guy immediately goes like, "What the what?" <laughs> he's like, "Oh shit, this is a whole other kind of fighting I was not prepared for." Uh, but it, it, but it concludes with Ben Affleck being like, "He's like, I'm gonna t- tell you the, I'm gonna say the names of the people you might be working with me with. Say yes or no." And he says a bunch of names, and the guy gives him the information that he wants. And then he like snaps his neck with his foot or his hands or something. And then it, he stands up, and the people are still in the truck yeah, watching yeah. him do this. Oh, yeah. And he looks over at them, and he just sort of like waves. And then walks <laughs> I love that. And I was like, that was, was so funny. dumb. That's funny. I laugh. It's like um, one of the only parts in the movie where you go, there you go. That's a thing. That's something. <laughs> yeah, he like doesn't know how to react because so he doesn't have very many social skills. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me why this movie is like serious and drab. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> when it had the potential to be wacky I and mean, funny. If you, if you put the right tone to this, I feel like it would be more exciting and fun. It wouldn't be good, but I'd I'd walk out of it going like, yeah, all right. It takes itself seriously. It takes itself too it's very seriously. Very strange. And, and it's all like shot gray and black and stuff. It's just very yeah, it doesn't look dull. great. <laughs> yeah, it thinks it's people. This movie, like I don't know. Uh, it's a it's a bad idea again. Two two ten is probably the biggest oh crime God. that the movie commits. But a lot of that is because of the tortured storytelling. Mm-hmm. Just like the 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 lady agent, what's her face, and J.K. Like all that is. But there's tons of stuff like that where you're like, why is the story if they being cut all of that out? So it wouldn't even affect anything. Wouldn't affect right? anything. But if they're when they, when they try to fill in blanks about like it's already it's stuff that you already know, and then they'll tell you like it'll be like a revelation that you've already put together in your head. But then they'll take another like ten minutes out of the movie to kind of like go back and like, I'm not show convinced you it that again. they need any explanation of like where he learned all the martial arts and training stuff. If we if we're to assume, you know. <laughs> Uh, representationally, this is dicey, but if we were to assume that the autism gives him the power to do all this math stuff and all this other crazy shit, like why wouldn't we be but able then, to believe that he would be, would be so good at learning martial arts? I think yeah. then we have to, or what it wants us to do is know that him and his brother went through all this bullshit together, sure. and that's why it makes more sense for them to come together at the end, because their dad made them fucking fight to the death when oh, they were young. Oh, absolutely, but you could lift all that out, and it would just still be about there's another hitman who's after yeah, him, and no, you wouldn't exactly. need to do any we of that brother stuff. We don't need any of that family stuff, for sure. Yeah. Um, and but they wanted to make it more Rain Manny. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. And like the re- <laughs> the fact that they reconcile at the end is like, what the fuck have I been watching this for, though? <laughs> right? They really reconcile. I mean, like they the fight end. for a while, and then they're like, "Ah, never mind, bro." And then they killed uh, John Lithgow, they and killed John Lithgow. And that's, and it. that's the end of that. They but he of... also gives the girl from the beginning the flashback a mm-hmm. very fancy computer. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And there's that terrible scene where they're at the the institute, and the the 
the guy the guy at the institute is like showing another couple around. Yeah. And he's like, "Hey man, that girl's computer is pretty amazing." That's the and computer ever the doctor's like, "I don't know anything about computers, but that's my daughter." And you're like, "God damn it, shut and up." And then it's like, "Oh, that's a girl this that gave the him the puzzle piece from the beginning." And then this she is my also favorite part of the whole movie. He also yeah, when gives it's over. Anna it Kendrick uh, she gets a package. Oh, no, it's the dogs playing poker, which they had talked about earlier because Ben Affleck also liked the dogs playing poker because he said, I like dogs playing poker because dogs would never bet on things. It's incongruous. It's incongruous. And so she gets it and she's like, oh, that's cute oh, and funny. Off. And then she notices like a little rip and she's like, huh, I'll just rip the painting. And so she goes and she rips it and it's the Jackson Pollock. So. Okay, but there, yes, that's great. And she's like, yeah, yeah, Jackson Pollock. She puts it up. Great. That's the end of her yeah, character. You, you know, having expensive art that's not, that's like stolen, like you can't do anything with it. Uh, she can just you look, look at, at it. it. That's all you want. Right, with I it. know, but I mean. That's not why he's giving it to her. He, she's, he, he's like paying her. No, he's giving it to her because she loved it at his house, and they formed a connection. I think. I didn't think it was. Yeah, I didn't think it was. I thought he was like. I thought it was so she could like sell it and get away. No, because when she first saw it in her in his in his little like RV or whatever, she was like in awe. No, like, I, is that a real Jackson? Yeah. And she kept like staring at it, and she kept like it was obvious that she was like touched by it, and so I'm pretty sure. He was like, yeah, you know, we're we're not together. I can't hug you or kiss you or whatever. But like, I want you to know that I noticed. I that can't look you in the eye. I want you to know that like this is we can't something do that. I noticed that you giving you, you a loved. Jackson Pollock is my way of making love. Yeah, basically. Boo. Like, I'll All take right. it. But, but anyway, let's wrap but this. We, but we need to. My favorite part of it, and it is the exact the very ending of the movie. But. Like, did you? Were we all waiting for the revelation of who the robot voice lady was? No, no. <laughs> I was. The movie ends on it. Yes, like we were all like, "Whoa!" <laughs> but okay, so like the people who like t- uh, helped out Ben Affleck's family when earlier in the movie um, with his autism deal, they're, they're nice people. They have a daughter who also has autism, who is Ben Affleck's age. And then, and you see her when these the new this new autistic kid is being introduced to these people who help him, and they're going. He's and he goes into this old lady's, well not old, middle aged, a forty year old woman's who's severely autistic, not an uncommunicative autistic person, and he goes into her room. And he's like, yeah, go ahead and hang out with her. We got her that computer. The computer is really nice. Uh, she he even like gives the specs of the computer, and yeah. she can do anything with that computer. And you're like, oh, the, one, the dude is like, you could hack into the Pentagon with that computer. I've never <laughs> seen a rig that good. Oh, here we go. And then she like she can't talk, but then she goes in through her computer thing and then starts talking to the kid, and, and then, like literally goes like, hello, big boy. <laughs> It's me, the computer voice. It was me all along. Oh. I hated this more than anything. I didn't. I didn't even. You didn't that? that? No. She's the computer voice. She's the lady. computer voice. I just lady. thought it was just a generic computer voice. It I turned didn't know out it was her too. The voice of the computer was voice was a little lady girl from the beginning. Some fucking lady. Well, no, the girl from the beginning. I know, but still, it's just like just her friend, like, his friend. It, it assumes that we we could possibly give a shit about all this stuff. I didn't even it catch that keeps, it was supposed to be the lady on the phone. It just keeps adding all of this shit on that we're supposed to care about rather than just be the goofball story of like the yeah, world's you're greatest. Yeah, right. I, I like this movie a lot man. less after talking about it. And then when it does action, it's kind of you're kind like it goes full. It goes full on action too. It's like a hardcore action movie. And you're like, why is why is this all just be an action movie? Yeah. Like the action's fine. I feel like. There's the scene where he goes breaks into the uh, they're they're out to kill Anna Kendrick and he like saves her last minute and you're like that's pretty solid stuff. It's kind of you know John Wickish a little bit. Yeah, he's uh, like shooting guys. He's and a good stuff. fighter. Yeah, hyper competent killer type stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like John head. Wick. He's a good fighter. Yeah, he's a good fighter. I don't know. Uh, it's it's very silly, but it's not like a there's no good dialogue in it. 
I don't think I really have anything. Uh, he just says I'm not finished. Kick your boy. Kicked him in the head once. He has a pocket protector. Yeah, that's something that we find out. Hilarious. Uh, yeah, I don't really have anything. Did, we, did you talk about the Solomon Grundy thing that he says? Oh, over I and forgot over again? about that. Oh yeah. He says the Solomon, Solomon Grundy, Grundy thing all the time. And Solomon Grundy born Solomon on a Grundy. Sunday. Born on a Monday, Christian on a Tuesday, dead on a Wednesday, decomposing sick on, on a Wednesday, Thursday. worse on Thursday, dead on Friday, buried on Saturday. And they go like, it's an old, it's an ancient uh, nursery rhyme or something. And you're like, it's a fucking Batman character also. I know, that's probably, the only thing I think of when but, I think of Solomon Grundy is for Super Friends. <laughs> huh. But this doesn't, apparently, well, maybe it doesn't exist in the same uh, universe. <laughs> there were, like, Batman doesn't exist in this And universe. Ben Affleck's Batman. <laughs> True. Oh my God! Christ. They're all autistic. I like this movie now. All superheroes are autistic. And he has comic books in his drawer. Yeah. <gasps> Whatever. Wow. Over it. I'm over this movie. Let's move on. <laughs> it's, it's a fucking mess. <laughs> Let's man. get out of here. Uh, ratings. I'm gonna give this one and a half Juds because mm-hmm. it's so fucking boring. I don't understand how a movie like this can be so goddamn boring, but it is. It's ugly. It's stupid. It sucks. Unlikable. Anyway, yeah, it's just unlikable. Uh. No Douglases. Yeah, no one even hugs. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no. Douglases. Uh, and I'm gonna give it. Uh, oh fuck! I'm gonna give it ten out of ten. Uh, rigs so good you could break into the Pentagon. Hell yeah! <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking so much about my daughter's computer. Anyways, <laughs> who am I talking? Let's continue to? checking out the property. Yeah, what the fuck? No one asked. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, 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 good computer. Um. Uh, yeah, show me the facility. What do you do? <laughs> is that what we're every, here for? Unless everyone gets a fucking computer like this, I don't want to know about it. <laughs> I would mean, give it to. There is stuff where, I, like, it is incredibly boring. Two ten is unacceptable, but there's just some stuff like the twists and whatever, like the clunkiness of the storytelling that amuses me, and some of the action's fine. <clears throat> uh, I'm gonna give it zero, like zero Douglases. Just has nothing to that sort of shit. Has is like a thousand miles away from this whole this movie's whole deal, uh, and I'm gonna give it um, ten out of ten bars that he rakes across his shin whenever oh, yeah. whenever he's stressing particularly. He puts on like strobe lights and heavy metal heavy metal music, and then just rakes this like this wooden bar across his shin. It's called self care. And at one point, he's like really having a hard time, and he starts like bashing himself, and it looks like bones just sticking out of his shin. You're like, dude. And then he just like is fine the next day. Like. It's fine. I don't you know. You just can't wear shorts. <laughs> yeah. Weird. <laughs> um, I'm going to give this two Juds. I would have given it two and a half, but we talked about this, and I just I like it a little less now. Yeah. Um, but there are some things in there. Like, I like all the fighting scenes, and Ben's a big hottie in this, <laughs> to me. Uh, and uh, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, zero Dugs. There's like not even any physical contact in this unless it's unless it's ten out of ten fatal kicks to the head. Oh, oh little Tony, poor little Tony, poor little, little Tony, Tony Arzino. Real shame. We, we did it. Those are the three ocup- <sighs> occupations you guys can uh, choose from when you grow up: counselor, accountant, or paperboy. Uh-huh. Job fair. Job fair. <laughs> it's a living. It's a living is good. Job fair is good. Job fair is also good. What's yeah. next? Uh, next we have. I don't. We don't have someone a title else, for it someone yet. Someone else needs to talk about these because I've never seen any <laughs> of these movies. Three, three movies. Three movies uh, about people taking on the system. Yeah. In their own way. We're gonna Fight do, the power. We're going to do John Q. We're going to do The Next Three Days. Russell Crowe. And we're going to do Law Abiding Citizen. <laughs> Finally. 
which I've always wanted to do because it's a fucking ridiculous movie. Never seen <laughs> yeah. any of these, you guys. Well, Law-abiding so Citizen. Yeah. I'm, up for, I'm up for anything with my man Jerry Butler. Yeah, Law-abiding Citizen is a real Jerry, <laughs> Jerry Butler it's, movie. You will hoot and it's holler. Right in the pocket. Um, boy, oh we don't boy. know what we're going to call that one yet, but it is coming your way in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Mm. Until then, rate us five stars only, please. Like and subscribe. Tell all your friends. Check out that letterbox list. Follow us. Uh, should I start an account on Threads? Is that no, no. I'm on blue. I'm on Blue Sky. I'll you are on Blue on. Sky. Yeah, but I have to what's get What's the invoice. best one? Blue Sky is the only other one I'm on. Okay. Yeah, but what's the best one that everyone's going to go to? Well, right now everybody's on Threads, but it's basically Facebook adjacent and yeah, uh, people tied to your Instagram don't seem account. To like it. I, don't I haven't, like I haven't it. gone anywhere yet. I'm sticking with Twitter for now because it still works. Yeah, it um, works for what I need. Uh, Which is uh, for you guys to follow me yeah. and our our page and join our Patreon. For less than $5 a month, you have access to so many extra episodes. Kevin's still over there. He's AI now, but yeah. A bunch of like, yeah, he's the robot lady voice from, <laughs> from the accountant. Let's talk about a movie, eh? Come on, <laughs> man. Come on, then. He's weirdly British now. So yeah, do that. We'll have special stuff up. In the future as well, t-shirts are the ideas are just bubbling over. Mm. Well, we got the one just die into like a rock solid idea, but one day it'll get there. It'll get we'll there. We'll get there with it. <laughs> it's gonna make it's gonna make a mint. Oh gosh, it's gonna mm. a mint. We'll be yeah. able to buy Jackson Pollocks. Mm-hmm. Big old just drawers full of gold to blue. Fucking look at him. All right, until the next time. The suspense is canvas. Bye. 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 Thank you.